Let's get it going. It's time to get up. And that will do it. The Vancouver Canucks lose their fourth game in a row. We can at least say that we're playing hard and um, doing a lot of the good things. Um, obviously, the results just haven't been there. These guys are here to break it all down. It's probably harder on the players as well. You know, when they go home at night and they know that they've played a pretty good hockey game and didn't get the result, it's hard. When you don't play well individually, that's hard as well. So it's a little bit different for both, but either way, it's difficult. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Friday, February 26th. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on Sportsnet 650, where you can always catch us on the AM dial here on AM 650. Uh, crystal clear, high definition, on HD3 at 96.9. Or you can also catch us on the Sportsnet app as well. The Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 650-650. Get those submissions in now. Your Canucks in a song. What song best sums up what you saw last night? 650-650. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Sportsnet650. You are fired up, ready to go already. You want, you want to run down what we got coming up today, or do you want to just jump right into it? What do you got? No, listen, it's Friday. I am going to stay positive. As the intro said, ladies and gentlemen, the weekend, we will get there. Yeah, we'll get into it. Hey, you're leading the way. You're fired up. We're going to talk a little wrestling. Angelo Dawkins is going to join us in this hour He's a WWE star. That's your that's your thing. We'll get into it there. Ron McClain's going to drop by and and, and uh, come off the top ropes as well at seven o'clock as he always does. We'll we'll deal with what's going on with Russell Wilson, the story that broke yesterday when we were on the air. That Ooh. you know maybe there's a split. Where else can Russell Wilson go? And pal, the Bears are one of the teams. If there was something done that he said he would go oh, to. I know. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, you just put on a Bears uniform. It, it, whoever you are, it just doesn't work. It's like being a Canuck. Harmon Dale is also going to drop by, too. Uh, listen, I'm going to try and stay positive. You know, sports is reality TV. And as you look at the Canucks, you never know what the heck you're going to get when you turn on the TV local time, 7 o'clock, to watch them play. And yesterday, and it means absolutely nothing because we can no longer, like, take the standings out of the, the role of the rest of the year. I actually enjoyed how they play. I loved the fact that they mixed up the lines, and I thought they had more opportunities from a five-on-five perspective. Now, yes, it means nothing, but it's something that probably should have been done a few weeks ago to try and get out of this. There was more balance from this team. But again, you watch it. It's reality TV. You go, I wonder what the plot's going to be. Where's it going to come from today? What's the mistake going to be? How did that puck get by Thatcher Demko? He was playing so well. And how about this power play that looks great? but it's so damn ineffective right now. And at the end of the day, we sit here, text line, come in, it's the same old, same old, how do you fix this? But they're interesting for the two and a half hours when they go on the ice to figure out how the problems are going to occur. You know, that was actually a fun game to watch. Uh, it was actually, you know, it was tight. It was good for at least 40 minutes. Uh, and then I thought that that second goal of the game was just an absolute backbreaker. And and, and the unfortunate thing is I thought Thatcher Demko was really good last night. He was very good. And, and, and you know, if, if you want to, you know, look at the numbers, and especially from an analytics standpoint, you would track all that and say, look how good he was in those high-danger scoring chances. But unfortunately, the same thing that happened to Braden Holpe 
going back last Sunday, and you go, or, or a couple of nights prior, you go, oh man, like you got to have at least two of those goals when Braden Holpe's last start. Thatcher Demko, I mean, that's second goal, ball game right there, right? I mean, that's just how do you how do you allow that to get in short side? You, you've got to be better. I, I mean, what? I mean, whether whether there was eyes on that puck, whatever you want to chalk it up to, like it's got to be better. Dan, you know. David Abbotsford this morning here, pair on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You know, I think this kind of sums up, I think, the feeling of a lot of Canucks fans here this morning. Can we stop talking about the Canucks playing a good game and losing? They are not playing good if you can't win a game. Enough is enough. Worst time ever to be a Canucks fan. Well, and Dave's exactly right. And it's, you feel bad almost for you know, the players, because, you know, you heard Thatcher Demko in the opening, and I thought we played well. I think we've cleaned some stuff up from where we were a month ago. They have. They're a better hockey team than they were a month ago. But, Dave, I hear you, and I guess sometimes we have to remember the competition they see here in the North Division. There's no San Jose Sharks coming in. There's no Anaheim Ducks coming in. Um, So, really, in the real world of what they will look like back when the hockey world is normal next year, they're a better hockey team than this. But they're not than the Edmonton Oilers, who right now, I mean, you talk about Thatcher Demko. That easily could have been a 3-2 hockey game after 20 minutes. I mean, Mike Smith has found the fountain of youth and is playing with so much confidence, and they're getting in the shooting lanes. It's not like the Canucks didn't have opportunities. But, Dave, I hear you, but we have three hours to break it down, and there were some pauses, but at the end of the day, great. Hey, I bought a 649 ticket. Did you win? Oh, I was close. I didn't win, though. Felt good about it. I was close. You didn't win, and it's all about winning, and it's not happening, and a lot of people still are now going, out coach Travis Green. I think Travis Green's got to do something with that power play. Like, James, let's get into the fair foul. I mean, it's great to watch the, you know, Hughes whip it around, saucer it to Petey, Petey control it off the boards, bring it over to Brock. Here it comes circling up as, as Miller. It's great. Where's Bo? There's the bumper play. Bo, let it go. Okay, let's try it again. Really pretty. Not that effective. Three of the last 24 – Big power play opportunities at the right time. Can't get it done. Yet there is no one like, oh, here's the first unit, guys. And it's all, it's it, it's sketched into the plays for the next 56 games. We won't alter that first unit one bit. Maybe we'll tinker a bit. You come up high, Miller. Brock, you go down. Vice versa. Let's change that. But we're not going to put new personnel at all on that first unit power play and maybe make the second stronger. Those guys got to go for a buck 30, buck 45. If they don't score, it's done. Why don't you tinker with that first unit power play that's been ineffective at what three times want? right now? Well, like, okay, t- tell me right now because I, 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 I suggest I suggested a couple of weeks ago. I said, why, like, why is Brock still on the bumper roll? And you know what? They've changed. And that. they moved. Like it. there was Brock. Right. Brock was, so, so tell me what you, what is your remedy then? Your advice. Okay, so you know what? Let's take play. a guy whose power play percentage was actually incredible, and if you got him on the ice. You may as well use them. You take his big butt and you put it in front and go number 18. Actually, your numbers were really good on the power play. Let's just try this. You're standing in front of the net. All right, you're standing in front of the net. Oh, we'll move Alex Edler up top on that first unit just to get the shot through. PD will move to the second unit. Guys, we're going to split it. If this first unit's not going, we're going to get to that second unit a lot quicker than rather go, oh, my God, we've got to go to the second unit. Make a change. Just see if you get anything. You know, again, Travis Green goes, you know, the uh, you know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Well, that's what you've been doing. You, you rolled it. You finally changed the lines, which was good yesterday. But the power play is always the same. Tinker with it. Go out there. How, how have we ever said, hey, man, uh, look, at they've made a change to the first unit. They've never. Same five guys. Your suggestion is putting a guy who's got one point in almost 20 games this season. 
right? I'm, listen, if you're going to break down how everybody's playing, <laughs> like, right, I, I just, my suggestion is put a big butt in front of the net and don't have it move. They do it a little more with Miller, but they play on the outside as far as the power play is concerned, and it's pretty, but it's not effective I, right now. And I they create, sooner, you don't finish. I would sooner suggest that with Tyler Myers. Because, sure, something. But, but, but look, I mean, the problem is, is this team is a one-trick pony. You know, it's Quinn Hughes, it's Brock Besser, it's Elias Pettersson, it's JT Miller. Like, those are the guys that score. Right, you've got one line. It's the lotto line, and those guys haven't even, for the most part, been the lotto line that this market fell in love with from a year ago. They're still getting points, but not to the degree that we were expecting from them last year. And pair, when they score, that's as far as this team goes. Right? They tried to break up the lines last night, and I think I could see some people on social media go, "Oh yeah, they created chances." You know what? You know, it's a one and done experiment, right? Look no. at the look at that scoring outside of Miller, Pedersen, and Besser up front, and maybe to a degree Bo Horvat. But even Bo is kind of sputtered offensively lately. It is a wasteland offensively for this team. I'm talking about Sutter and Jake and Roussel and Beagle and Goddard and Hoaglander's in that group as well, and Horvat and Pearson. Look, there's a lot of things that Hoaglander does well, but pair, no goals in 13 games, and that's a top six player on this team. I get he's a rookie, and there's a lot to, to like with this kid, but I think you also have to temper the expectations of what this kid can do. He's probably better suited as a third-line player in the National Hockey League this rookie season, but he's playing in the top six because this team has absolutely nothing else. Break up the, the experiment. Let's get back to the lotto line and move on because that's the only way this team scores. You don't think that five-on-five five yesterday they had better looks? I agree. Listen, you think Sutter's got silky mitts? Not the case, right? Adam Gaudet, if he had him at one point, he can't find him. Jake Vertanen, it's not happening yet. He got 18. So is he the guy who scored 18 last year or the guy who's only got one? You know, we wait and see. And Jake is the last conversation we want to get to here. Although some people <laughs> agreeing on the text line, put his big butt in if front of the net. Like a second, you know what? If he plays like he did in that second period, which is a big ass to do that regularly. But if he gets a few weeks, I thought Andrew Walker made a really good point on this last night on the postgame show. If you get... Jake Vertanen playing like he did in that second period on a consistent basis these next few weeks, he will create a market for himself to get out of town yes. if that's what he wants. It will, and that's the one thing. If Jake ever starts playing well, trade him. The, the fan base has been through enough to go, finally, it's no, 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 just trade him. If he is two-week, trade him. Every, call everybody you can. Go take him now. He's going to be great. And let him go and score 25, 30 goals for some other team for the next five years. Go, damn it. And you'd still go, ah, we gave him a good try, though. That's not the Cam Neely experiment from decades ago. We gave him a good effort to do that. I do think, though, watching the game last night, there were more opportunities from all lines. Heck, I mean, Chase Harlech was noticeable in the three minutes he played. There were some times that Beagle line actually was in the offensive zone trying to circle the puck and do something. But with J.T. Miller out there with Sutter, you think, oh, there's something. Goddard had some good opportunities. Hoaglander and Pedersen and Besser are around. Again, the bottom line was no goals, there's no finish. But I do think it was well-balanced. If I'm Travis Green, I'm going, okay, I'm doing that again. Now, he shortened it up in the third period because he felt he needed a goal. So you put them all together. That's okay. But I actually felt there was more balance yesterday from this team. No results again, though. 
No results, and you look at the numbers, uh, they're not pretty. Uh, Rob Williams uh, from the Daily Hive uh, pointing us out on social media last night. Uh, this is the fewest points that the Canucks have had after 24 games since the Messier era back in 1997 and 98. And by this point in time in that season, they had already fired the coach and the GM. So... Um, it's it's been a horrible start, and now the Ottawa Senators are only three points back of Vancouver right now for second last in the North Division, and they've got a game in hand, and they've won three straight, and Vancouver's got what, two wins in the last thirteen pair. It is time to put that for sale sign up, I think, when it comes to selling assets, and I think this has been a conversation amongst a few people over the last few days, but I think you got to start letting people know that you know, hey, we've got some assets for sale. If you're interested, the concern here now is I think people also have to temper their expectations in terms of what the return will ultimately be for the likes of a Tanner Pearson and a Brandon Sutter, because Tanner Pearson on a Stanley Cup contender is probably is a third line guy. He is not a top six guy, right? There's he's been a solid player for the Canucks the last couple of years, but that is a that is a third line guy. And Brandon Sutter. I'm sure somebody would like to have, you know, could use a Brandon Sutter, uh, you know, in your fourth line for trying to chase a cup and added some depth. But again, like, you know, there's a cap hit there. I mean, even if the Canucks assume some salary, what are you getting back for a Brandon Sutter? You know, I get a much back. And, and how are you fixing it with, you know, what you get back for a Sutter, what you get packed for a Pearson, maybe you get a, a third rounder. I mean, I don't think you're giving up anybody. You're not getting anything in return that's helping this team in the future other than a pick. And how many picks are you going to be saddled with? Uh, it just shows, you know, we would talk about the money spent on the bottom six and how they need to be effective. Uh, it, it's funny. Like, you know, would you not miss a Tanner Pearson in a sense because you've got nothing coming up behind? You know, you're not thrilled with Hoaglander and, and his mitts and will he ever score. But, you know, Pod Colson, well, Pod Colson will hopefully be here at the end of April. So we're going to put all that pressure again on a guy who's never played in the NHL that he's going to make this team that much better. Uh, maybe as a role player eventually. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done with this hockey team to fill in the gap. And you mentioned the Messier years. And if people were listening to the postgame show or driving early this morning, it's something IMAC went on and went on and on and on for. You know, there's a lot of people, and I traveled with that team and Marcus and, and Bert and all those guys, and, man, Messier took its bullets. But to a man, they would always say, he taught us a lot. And IMAC went on about culture. And so Messier teaches the culture to Naslin and to Mo and to Bert. They get going and the Sedins come on and they learn the culture for them and get going in 2010 and 2011 and build that culture. And then Bo comes and you go, you're going to learn a bit. And then the Sedins go. And then Markstrom goes. And then Tanif goes. And IMAC went on. He goes, I don't know about the culture of this team. And literally, because you can't get into the dressing room. But who's leading the culture? Good on Bo Horvat. Didn't get a shot yesterday, but at least he hit some people five times. But who else is there? Is, is Edler that culture guy? Like, what are they missing? Who is that leader on this hockey team right now? And how is he handling these tough stretches? I think it's a valid point. I'm not sure who's setting the culture right now. Oh, I think I think attitude reflects leadership. I'm, I'm a big believer of that line from Remember the Titans. And... No, I think there's a lot of questions, I think, about this leadership core. I think this is obviously the biggest test in Bo Horvat's career as the, uh, the captain of this team. And, 
you know, what what's he doing? Uh, I think when you look at the other leaders, hey, you look to those veterans like a Beagle, he's won a cup, a Braden Holtby, a Nate Schmidt. Uh, you look at a Brandon Sutter and all those guys. Unfortunately, it's tough to be the rah-rah and listen to me and follow me when you're just not good enough. You know, unfortunately, and, and that's the thing, like Jay Beagle hasn't produced a point in, you know, almost this entire month. You've got Braden Holtby who's just has been – you know, the Braden Holtby that people have kind of been going at eh, the last couple of years, eh, he's just not very good. But, uh, but two and, of those and, guys, and James. JT Miller, and JT Miller, I think, has, you know, this has been a lot of conversation about JT Miller uh, as a leader. And, you know, and I think this has been an adjustment that maybe, you know, his attitude is just a little too acidic for this group to kind of deal with, right? Like, you've lost those calming leaders that, that seem to kind of stabilize this team last year within, with both Tandem and Markstrom. And two of those guys you mentioned, Holpe's brand new, tough to figure it out. Tried to maybe set it with JT Miller on that, uh, what we what we saw play out on the ice in Toronto. JT Miller, new to being the leader. Uh, you know, you mentioned Sutter, but everyone knows, oh, so when are we having the, you know, when's the goodbye party if we can go with masks from a distance because you're likely not here next year. Tanner Pearson, yeah, no, I guess I'm not going to be here next year. Uh, it, it's tough to do all that, right? You go, okay, who's setting it? Well, they're leaving. And I think inside the room, they go, well, we saw what happened in the offseason. There's no way you're going to be around Suds anymore. And, and so who's, who's leading the way? So Bo goes, I'll do it. Who's coming? Okay, I guess we figured out with JT Miller and is Besser that guy. So the culture is set by the guys that have to win every night. How do you fill in the blanks on that, you know, that third line? Rossell should be a culture setter. Most people text it in going, sit him, sit him, right? Uh, you know, it's just there's a lot of problems with this hockey team. But I'll go back and try and keep it positive on a Friday. You never know what you're going to get when they play. And they're in a hockey game. And let's give the team on the other side some credit. Two world-class superstars that keep on coming and a goaltending that played and is playing incredible hockey. I talked about Carey Price being the Olympic goalie. It's Mike Smith right now. What, is he going to be, 42? And it's in his late 30s. Mike Smith's playing the best hockey of his career right now, and the others benefiting from it. All right, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. I want to get to my Canucks in a song. Uh, a lot of people sharing theirs. We'll try to get to yours a little later on this morning. But uh, while we have a quick minute, uh, here's mine. It is, uh, look, you look at the standings. I mean, you're closer to being caught by Ottawa than you are trying to buy for a playoff. Playoffs? Playoffs, my song, Metallica's Now That We're All Dead. Now that we're dead because this playoff dream, I think it's fair to say as we played the final game in the month of February here in this city, they're dead, just like those Sprite jerseys, Perry. Yeah, I didn't like the Sprite jerseys. They're not coming back very quick. A lot of Canucks in the song coming up. I just, I'm just i keeping it positive. The weekend is here. The weekend is where I went. I know you're frustrated. The, the text line is blowing up, but uh, everybody save your tears. You live in Vancouver. Snow is gone. Things are okay. You made it to the weekend. It's sports, people. Don't get too caught up in it. Although, I would say by the text line, people are more than frustrated with what we're seeing again. Hey, the good news is, you haven't been buying the tickets to go see this. No one's there. You're just watching and listening to it on the television and radio. 
All right, coming up in a moment, we'll catch up with WWE star Angelo Dawkins from the Street Profits, and we'll also dive into uh, Russell Wilson's future in Seattle. Is Russ cooking in Seatown next year? We'll discuss it next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's Friday. That's the good news on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 25 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Friday morning. James Sabolski, Perry Solkowski, and WWE superstar from the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins, joins us bright and early this morning. Uh, do you have any say? Do you? Yeah. Do you have any say in your theme music, or do they just kind of serve, do they give you options, or do you just say this is what you get? Get out there. Oh, we, we get we get options. We just we just felt this one was the way to go. Like, how many options do you get? Uh, we got a, we had a couple options. The intense had to sit down and talk over it. So you kind of con- you got to get together. Options. You guys kind of have a little, you know, okay. It's like, okay, well, you know, we've got this old version of Jake the Snake's theme music that they've given us. We're like, no, we're taking a hard pass on that. We're going with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just pretty much like, yeah, we just met over and bite the eat just to discuss, like, all right, how do we think, like, how do we feel like the crowd would react to our music? How do we feel like, because we wanted everything to like match, like everything that we brought to the table. And uh, we felt this song matched it best. I like it. Angelo, you, you mentioned crowds and reaction. You know, it's been fascinating to watch all sports in the last 11 months. But from a wrestling standpoint, where the crowds are so much a part of it, I mean, are you now used to it uh, in the environment you have to do it, or how difficult has it been for you guys? Uh, it's been, uh, I mean, it's been pretty difficult. You can't really simulate uh, the that adrenaline, that crowd reaction. Like, you can't you can't really, like, be like, oh, man, it'll sound like this in your head. It just, it just happens automatically, um, like, just literally, uh, like, for me, I felt it was really hard, but at the same time, it was kind of easy just because, like, we, like, I've practiced at NXT for seven years, so I've had, like, I've had to deal with no fans while practicing, so, like, that, like, I, <laughs> it was just basically, like, practice for me, but I will say this, like, the adrenaline from the fans, um, you, you just can't simulate that in any way, so, like, you also have to like rely on you to bring your own energy. Not that we didn't do that like when we had fans, but we brought our own energy. But the fans took that energy to a whole nother level at each and every time, and that's what I think. Like that's the weird part. Angela Dawkins uh, from the WWE with us here on uh, this morning on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, no, like going through a table hurts a hell of a lot more when you're just when they're in an empty building than when you got like twenty thousand people cheering you on, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're, you're thinking about that pain a little bit more. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you got, you got a, there's a, there's a little bit of love and connection here for, or a, a bit of a milestone moment for you guys with the city of Vancouver here. Um, your last NXT show, if I remember correctly, was here in Vancouver. You got the big send-off, and everybody from backstage came in, and I think your last match with NXT before you yeah. kind of got the big call-up was, was here in Vancouver. Do you remember that? Yep, it was. Oh, I remember that day. That was a uh, it was a very emotional day. Has it been yeah, bittersweet was, uh, then 
to you know you oh, get yeah. called up you you get a run and now you, now this oh yeah definitely i mean it's like full circle um like yeah vancouver always have a special place in my heart just off of that that night alone i think it was the only time i've ever been in vancouver to be honest with you but uh but yeah like that that moment that night uh we had the perk like the send off. Everybody from the back showed us love. All the NXT superstars showed us love, and uh, the crowd in Vancouver showed us love as well. And they sent us off, and we didn't let them down. We feel like we haven't let them down since <laughs> we left. So. <laughs> yeah, now you guys need to take out. Uh, you guys need to come up with a finishing maneuver on COVID uh, with like the vaccine of some sort. Um, hey, Angelo, tell me, tell yeah. me this. Uh, if this this month, obviously, we celebrate Black History Month, and if you look mm-hmm. over the course of the, you know, in the history of professional wrestling and sports entertainment. You know, there was always kind of, you look at a lot of the territories back in the day, they basically had like the one person of color, the one black guy in the territory. And it was almost, you know, almost like kind of this unspoken rule with promoters where now you look at the diversity in the industry where, you know, the success for you guys are having, you look at the new day. I mean, the list goes on and on the hurt that, you know, the hurt business and, and how much like it's, it is way more reflective of society now than it was. I, I think going back when I was a kid watching some 30 years ago. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think now it's just like making it more diverse to where, uh, like the Hurt Business, they're doing their thing. The New Day has always been doing their thing. And now, like, we kind of, me and Montez being the younger of the two groups, being able to, like, follow in their footsteps and also be able to carry the mantle and try to carry the mantle as best as they could and try to, like, be the inspiration for other um, African-American kids. Like, uh, like, like we were, like how we were watching – Guys like Harlem Heat, Booker T, Stevie Ray, um, Two Cold, Sto- Two Cold Sto- Scorpio. Yeah. Sorry, stumbled over my words. But uh, the like guys like that, D'Lo Brown, Mark Henry, The Rock, Farouk, um, just guys like that that paved the way for us and us to be able to like pick up where they left off and try to take it to new heights and try to carry the torch off and pass it to obviously the next generation that comes up and that's like a very big deal to us. And we try our best to go out there and do our best to put on the show and be the inspiration that they can look up to and be like, Oh, they made it. Why not us? Like we can do this as well. Angelo, we, you know, we've had this discussion throughout the month and do always with, with a lot of athletes from different sports. Yours is unique in a, in an entertainment form where, you know, you you don't have it right now, but obviously your time with NXT, you know, the crowd's part of it. And, and uh, they don't like some people and they like others. That's part of the show. Um, racism is still alive, unfortunately. Do you hear it a lot in what you do? And do you hear it in different parts of where you travel in North America with your routine? Or is it subsided in, in some sense? Uh, yeah, no, I haven't really heard it. Uh, been, yeah, I mean everybody's been very receptive to me and Tez. So, um, yeah, I don't think we've had to really worry about that. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Angelo Dawkins, WWE superstar with us here on Sportsnet 650. Okay, so 
Look, it's an end of an era here in Canada today as some good friends of ours, Tim and Sid. It's been a long-running show here across the country for the last several years. It's their final show today here on Sportsnet later on today. But they used to play this they used to play this game with listeners called Name That Wrestler, okay, Angelo? And they play an mm-hmm. interview clip of a wrestler and you got to name them, okay? So I've got a, I, we've got a few of these wrestler promos from over the years and you got to name that wrestler, okay? Here's here's the first one. I'm going to play you a promo and you got to tell me who it is. Or at least guess who it is, okay? You ready? All right. Okay, I'm going to start off easy with you, all right? Here's the first one. As I walked out of New York City today, every woman within 100 yards was hollering, here comes the boss. And Bruce Springsteen was nowhere to be seen. All right, who's that? Rick Flair, nature no. boy. Woo! <laughs> You're on the board. Okay, here's number two. I don't need words like respect and loyalty to trend worldwide. Just like I don't need my notes for my promo on my wrist. Nice tattoo. All right. Who's that? Mm. John Cena. John Cena. Two for two. I even oh. knew that one, Seaball. Okay, I'm going old school with this one. One of my favorites from back in the day. He was a staple. Up uh, up in Alberta, actually, for a long time. But here's number three. I'm still waiting for a title shot. Aren't you ashamed of yourself, macho man, that you have to hide behind Elizabeth to keep from meeting me in the ring? Aren't you ashamed, or do you have any shame? Who's that one, Angelo? Ooh, ooh, ooh. James, can I guess? Ooh. Yeah, Perry, you want to you be a lifeline for Angelo? Help him out. Oh, man, and Angela, you don't want me as a lifeline. Is that bad news, Alan? It is bad news, Alan, or bad news, <laughs> Brown. Yeah, that's right. Oh, what a play. Oh. Bad news. Who actually competed uh, in judo in the Olympics in Montreal in 1976? All right, here's number four, okay? You're two for three so far, Angelo. Uh, well, actually, no, four for four, because you got your lifeline. All right, here's number four. Hulk Hogan, I only come down to your matches when it's absolutely necessary. When you're down and out. That's the kind of rules I play by. But you, you play by different rules. Yeah, you got to get in your grandstanding and your hot dogging, don't you? Yeah. Who's that one, Angelo? Macho. Not macho. You know it. Dig it. All right, last one. To run the table. To go five for five here. Here's the last one. Here you go. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat, out of shape, summer slam sweat hogs. <laughs> okay, who's that one? Ooh. Oh, man. I feel like that's uh... a. <laughs> oh, man. I have two people in mind for some reason. It's either Lance Storm or the Big Lebowski. <laughs> uh, you know what? I would I would go closer to the to the Big Valbowski uh, Val Venus. Uh, Lance Storm. As much as I love Lance Storm, he's not charismatic enough. That's ravishing Rick Rude. Oh. Matt, I missed that. <laughs> hey, thanks for <laughs> hey, thanks for playing along, man. You got four out of five, so that's pretty good. Um, hey, look, we hope you get back up here soon, and hope the borders open and fans get back in the buildings again because your business is better for it. Uh, thanks for taking time with us this morning. Thanks, Angela. Oh, thank you for having me. This is a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, take care. That's Angelo Dawkins, WWE superstar, joining us this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, yeah, Perry, look at you pulling out the bad news. Oh, come on. I have not thought of that in 20 years. <laughs> you you gave me the hint when you said Alberta because he was he not on that stampede with hundred percent. Yeah, for a long time. Out. Yeah. Yeah, and for a long time before, like, I don't know if his run was very long in the WWE, um, but we got into it from, from there. A legitimate, uh, a legitimate tough guy as well uh, who actually challenged. There's a urban legend or at least story that uh, him and all, he challenged Andre the Giant to a fight and, uh, and Andre backed down. Well, I didn't know. What did you say? He was a karate guy in the Olympics? Like judo. He, that was judo. Just, yeah. He was a big man, too. Did I, yeah, he was a big man. No. Um, oh, that was good. You ready to get into this? Time for a little C-ball says. Uh, yeah, how about it? Let's go. Let's do it. Okay, well, uh, here we go. Uh, let Russ Cook might be turning into free Russ, given the way things have kind of played out so publicly with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks over the last several weeks. The Twelves are nervous. Yeah, I get it. The thought of the greatest player in franchise history and the prime of his career leaving the Emerald City is terrifying if you're a Hawks fan. The athletic detailing and unraveling relationship between the franchise and the face that runs the place, laying out how Wilson stormed out of a meeting just recently. 2020 was a Jekyll and Hyde year for Russ. He was the NFL's leading candidate for MVP before Wilson and the offense sputtered in the second half. And since the end of the season, tension has been brewing. It really started to become public after the Super Bowl when the 32-year-old made the media rounds after his NFL Man of the Year award. Wilson telling reporters he's frustrated about getting hit too often. And he's right. No quarterback has been sacked more in the first nine years of their career than Wilson, almost 400 times. And an appearance on the Dan Patrick Show made many sit up and take notice. I mean, you're a franchise quarterback. You're a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're not available, are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm available or not. That's a, that's a Seahawks <laughs> question. But I think also, I think more than anything else is um, – you know, I think at the end of the day, you, you want to win. You know, I play this game every day to wake up to win. You play this game, you know, to to be the best in the world. You know, I you know what I hate? I hate sitting there watching other guys play the game. <laughs> this week, uh, as I mentioned, the athletic detailing, this unraveling relationship between the franchise and the face that runs the place, and all his suggestions seemingly falling on deaf ears within the organization. It's a bad look for a team when you sour a franchise player in a city because stars rule the roost in sports nowadays. Go ask James Harden, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Patrick Laine. Seattle may have started this feud, but if Russ really wants out, he's got to put the old, ah, shucks, I'm all about the team and happy persona aside enchanter his inner villain and admit that he wants out he basically needs to become the nwo's version of hollywood hulk hogan you fans can stick it brother essentially now wilson's agent suggested that a trade hasn't been demanded but he also conveniently mentioned that there are four cities russ would be willing to relocate to chicago dallas new orleans vegas now, Russ finally faced some criticism this past year, and if you want to be paid like a star, you also need to deliver like one, and he certainly didn't down the stretch. Now, it certainly feels like an end is coming here in all likelihood. It's just a question of when and where. Problem is, is what complicates the matter is the money, the contract. If Seattle trades Russ right now, they would have to eat a $39 million hit on its salary cap for 2021. 
And then when you factor in that the cap might actually drop down to $182 million due to the impact of COVID around the league, 21% of your cap is more than just a dent. Now, the Hawks could defer the money if Russ gets moved after June 1st, where then Seattle would only be hit with $13 million this year, but then there's still another 26 next year. Early talk is it would cost three first-round picks to start discussions for Russ. You know what? He's worth it. Selfishly, give me Russ in Chicago. But he might long for Seattle with that offensive line. Cowboys could send Dak Prescott in return, which could be enticing to at least have a quality quarterback to start with. New Orleans, likely the most balanced. And the Raiders, well, yeah, silver and black always looks good, even when they're bad. Bottom line is this. To me, Russ isn't long to be cooking in Seattle. But I think there's at least one more year with the 12s before the inevitable breakup comes. And that's this morning's Seaball says. All right, Stat Me Up is coming up next. Don't forget, Ron McLean just after 7 o'clock as well here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to Stat Me Up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. 646, Ron McLean will join us just after 7 o'clock here on this Friday morning as the Canucks fall yet again. Time to crunch the numbers here with... Perry, myself, and the Million Dollar Man from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing, Scotty. Mr. Scott Brown. Scotty! Gentlemen, I think everybody needs a wrestling name. <laughs> <laughs> are you nervous? Hey, are you nervous about Russ leaving the Hawks or what? You're a big Seahawks guy. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> hey, man, I'll take him in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to be doing that whole thing where you got to get, you know, deal with the Seahawks, but also then have to follow Russ, so. Yeah. We shall well, see. I, I am a little nervous. My buddy's texting me. Kirk, uh, from one of our developer clients from Saskatoon, is a big Tom Brady fan. I'll talk about it later. But he keeps sending me a picture with Russ in a Jets jersey. <laughs> uh, he don't need New York. Hey, guys, I'll start off with my number being 11. On for Shankly, walks it in, fires, and save made by Price. Lost it, it's on the goal line, score! You know, we got into it yesterday with Kerry Price, and he's heard it with the coaching change in Montreal. But 11 reflects 11 games. Since 2019, Kerry Price, the only goalie in the NHL to let in five or more goals in 11 games. More than anybody else. Man, his numbers in the last 12 months, and James, you love him. The reputation. Is he the goalie for Canada and comes to the Olympics next year? The numbers have not been kind to Perry Carey Price. He didn't help his cause yesterday in their efforts as well. Bottom fell out there. Ugh. Scotty, what do you got? Well, I'm wondering why they don't pull him more than that. Uh, <laughs> think about Patrick might get a Raw when you here. talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to add one to Perry's number, and I'm going to go with the same number I had last week, 12. Brady goes deep. What a throw. What a catch. So, James, you read my mind a bit with the Hawks and also not wanting to talk about hockey after last night. So, in the spirit of Stan Smeal hanging from the Raptors jersey, I'm going to go with 12. Um, NFL schedule was out this week. So, it's not the schedule. It's who each team is going to play. So, I went through that, and that was interesting. Those guys know how to keep in the news year-round. And so, I decided to go with 12, as in TB12, Tom Brady. It's his 12th anniversary today. 12 years ago today, he and Giselle Bungeon got hitched, and he's not turned the ball over on that one, I don't think. Uh, so, TB12, he's under contract for 2021. Now there's a rumor. I guess he gets $25 million next year. 
but he's talking about an extension, and they're not denying it. And he wants to fulfill his dream of playing in 2022, which he would be 45 years old if he does that. So uh, the guy is remarkable. And you know what? He's way more relatable now. I've seen him wobble. That is not the truth. It's unbelievable that we're talking about a guy who is the greatest player in the history of the biggest league on the planet. And his value is maybe a fraction of what his boss lady wife is all about. Uh, that's the crazy thing. Like, they both bring home paychecks, and they live off hers. <laughs> right? Crazy. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, good for him. Um, was, all right. Is that, is that why he has to be the GOAT to make up for it? you wife? <laughs> yeah. Here's my number, boys. It's $10 million. Your champion. Ten in a row to finish. You just saw a clean sweep of the back nine. Congratulations to Paul McBeth. All right, for anybody that has played frisbee golf or disc golf, maybe at Queen Elizabeth or maybe in Windskill, you might take it a little serious in the future, all right? You might want to think twice before pounding down that six-pack or that growler or twisting one up out in the field because the world's number one ranked professional disc golfer, Paul McBeth, just signed a $10 million endorsement deal with Discraft Disc Sports. It's the largest Frisbee golf contract to date. His previous endorsement deal, he was only getting a million bucks over four years. Now he's getting $10 million for playing Frisbee golf with the drunks and the stoners at Queenie. He's a five-time uh, world champ, by the way. He's got 130 wins. Not bad for a 30-year-old Frisbee golfer. I went down the rabbit hole yesterday and watched him play. He's unbelievable. Like, I couldn't stop. This guy is unbelievable from the distance to put it so close. He's money if he can if he can see it from 75 yards away, he can hit it. Like I was fascinating. The gallery at some of these events are good size. Now 10 million is ridiculous, but Paul Macbeth. You are the man. You can play disc golf. I'm Dude, it's crazy, man. Like, because honestly, anytime I like, I enjoy, like, I don't play much, but on occasion, no. like, I enjoy playing a little frisbee golf or disc golf. But anytime I go, like, you know, people are drunk, they're high, everybody looks like they're basically, they've just got out of prison or they're heading to prison or they drive a sure. white van. Like, everybody just, like, you, you, you make kids nervous, right? Like, you're just this group of unwashed. And this yeah. guy's turned around and turned it into a $10 million uh, contract. Scotty, what do you got for a real estate number, brother? Well, well, first of all, i got to thank you for reminding me of my worst first date. I moved out here from Saskatchewan like 25, 30 years ago. I'm out with this girl. She's very attractive, very fit, and she's into ultimate frisbee. I don't know what that is. So we're talking a little while, and she says that she's taking a year off work to practice her frisbee, and I burst out laughing thinking she's hilarious. And she was a little upset that I was laughing at her. And I go home, and I talk to my cousin. He goes, dude, ultimate. She's on the Canadian team. (laughs) So I was like, oops. Uh, (laughs) There was no second date for sure. I could not recover from that. So, resales. <laughs> Speaking of market recovery, it continues. Did a little polling, because next week we'll talk about the, the February results. So far in Vancouver, uh, proper, 623 resales, 18 days on the market, not taking long to sell. Surrey's even hotter, 780 sales, just two weeks on the market for the average home, 14 days. Langley's at about 314 days. It's a smaller market. Burnaby's actually the lowest of the three at 21 days, which is still fast. 
So doing the numbers and penciling out about 1950 or so, we should be ahead with Vancouver and the Fraser Valley of last year's February, which, by the way, was a good month. It was showing recovery. It wasn't until I think, I think it's March 19th that we went into the kind of two-month valley of market despair. So uh, next time we talk, I'll have the real stats, but the trend is continuing. It is sustained. It, it has been unbelievable to see what we have done. Hey, Scotty, thanks for this, buddy. Have yourself a great weekend. Always appreciate it, man, and, and we'll get back at it next Friday. Yeah, have a great weekend. Million Dollar Man. One point four million. We got to change his name. You got it with the wrestling name. Scotty needs his name with the price of real estate here. It's more than a million. Dude, right? it's we, crazy. There's it there's about a hundred meters down the road from us. There are four houses within about thirty meters of each other that are like completely new builds right now. Another house like a block over that is just be. It's. I'll tell you what. Who, who would have predicted this <laughs> a year ago? that the housing market would go through the roof in the middle of a pandemic with a third of the country collecting CERB. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly it. But, you know, a lot of talk this week, too, that, okay, at some point it's bursting, but they've been saying We've been hearing that for how many exactly. years, right? Like, I guess Just at like some the point, Canucks but... are a playoff team. <laughs> that bubble's definitely burst. Rod McLean joins us next here on this Friday morning here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. And that will do it. The Vancouver Canucks lose their fourth game in a row. We can at least say that we're playing hard and um, doing a lot of the good things. Obviously, the results just haven't been there. These guys are here to break it all down. It's probably harder on the players as well. You know, when they go home at night and they know that they've played a pretty good hockey game and didn't get the result, it's hard. When you don't play well individually, that's hard as well. So it's a little bit different for both, but either way, it's difficult. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. 7 o'clock on this Friday morning, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada will join us in just a few minutes as the Canucks uh, drop another one. Uh, losers of four straight. They've lost 11 of the last 13. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski kicking it with you. Uh, Canucks not back at it until next Monday, so they're done for the month of February, which uh, couldn't come soon enough, Perry. So I figured, you know what, given the fact that the Senators are now, what, within three points of Vancouver mm-hmm. for six now in the North Division. I thought today would be a perfect time to simulate the draft lottery on tankathon.com. You know, because the Canucks right now force best, best odds. You know what? Simulate the odds. And you know what? In classic Canucks fashion, they actually drop a spot from fourth down to fifth. Yeah. So the Ducks win the, uh, the draft lottery, followed by the Senators at two, Detroit three, Seattle 4, and the Canucks 5. So there you go. There's the yeah. first attempt on this Friday, February 26th of playing the draft lottery simulation here. It has begun. Yeah. Uh, you know, how often did we do this show and talk about meaningful games in March? <laughs> and, and that was when you had 82 to play. 56, and we're trying to get the same way. It is time to deal with double Ds, and that's the draft and development. Uh, and that's where you are. A, a lot of people in on it. And you know, I mentioned earlier, and IMAC talked post game about culture, and I, I, a lot of people kind of question what that said. And you know, and and someone at me saying, "No, nah, there's Messier. There's there's nothing with culture that he did." But I think it is a fair, and I want to get into it with Ron too when he joins us because you know Ron's always around the Stanley Cup final. And each team, each championship team, they have something, and I do believe it is so difficult 
for this team right now to lose the big pieces that they did, and they're gone, and let's not get into Markstrom, whatever. I mean, Calgary goaltending is a mess with Markstrom hurt. But to have JT Miller come in and go, okay, what will the culture be with you, with Holtby, with Bo being there? Is Brock going to speak more? Is Pedersen a guy like that? Hoaglander just sitting quietly. I do think this team is trying to find not their identity. Their identity can be hard work, but that culture that you need to get through tough times. So Messier, the results were terrible, but he was there with, with Nazi and people going, oh, Messier did nothing. Trust me, I was with these guys as much as you possibly could be. Mark Messier with Todd Bertuzzi and Marcus Nazan, and you've heard them ad nauseum, help them develop a culture that they showed off to the Sedins when they came in and the West Coast Express was good. That the Sedins showed off to Bo Horvat and Alex Edler. And then when the Sedins left, you thought it would be okay because you had Bo and you had Edler and you had Tanev and you had Markstrom. They all knew it. Uh, that's a big piece that's gone with this team right now. And I think while they struggle, you can't underestimate how important it is to get together and figure it out. And that is taken away from because of the pandemic too. It's just making the problem that much worse. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we'll get your a lot of submissions already in this morning for uh, Canucks in a song. We'll get to those coming up in, in just a few minutes. You wanted to uh, get some of the thoughts on uh, some of the other people weighing in this morning? Yeah, Benton's just saying the Canucks look defeated. The plays they make, uh, simple and safe. They just don't look like they have any chance left this season. And it is. And it's combined, as he said, and he goes on. And thank you. Sign the text, everybody. They, they do Put look Put your name defeated, on it. James. Yeah, they, but they do look defeated as soon as they get down, don't they, James? Like, they just don't think they have that belief they had in the bubble that they can come back and win a hockey game right now. You know, Travis Green has talked about this at length over the last, what, almost three weeks now, that the Canucks, they don't roll over and die, right? They they compete. Uh, but the sad oh. reality is, is beyond just a frail confidence as a team psyche, they're just not good enough, Pear. Uh, you know, they're just, they're just not good enough. And... Look, the core of this team is still incredibly young. You know, your, your two franchise cornerstone pieces are, what, 22 and 21 respectively. Like, they're, they're kids, right? They're, they're really young, and the rest of the team is offering not a whole lot in terms of scoring. Like, that second goal, that De- like, Demko played good. And, I, and Thatcher Demko is going to be the goaltender of the now and the future for this team. But, man, he, he's still – he's not there yet, right? He still needs some time. And you look at where Thatcher Demko, like that second goal, man, like that, that is the backbreaker. And, you know, bad goals are deflating, especially for a team that is struggling. You know, a bad goal, like you can't afford those margins for error, right? And then you look at the offense pair. Sutter, two points in 16 games. Jake, 1.19. You know, had showed up to play in the second period after taking two penalties in the first, but 1.19. Roussel, no points in 11. Jay Beagle, no points in 11. Gaudette, two goals in 20 games. You know, Hoaglander, no goals in 13. You know, he's playing on the top line last night. Horvat, six points in the last 16 games. One point in the last 10 for Tanner Pearson. Right? Like, you, you look at this, like, where's the secondary scoring? Like, if the lotto line, and yes, they broke up the band last night, but if those guys aren't scoring, this team is absolutely pooched. I liked, I liked what I saw as far as lines were concerned. 
Uh, Travis Green said as much after the game. I felt every time someone came over the boards, maybe there was a shot. You did see Sutter with some opportunities. You saw Jake Vertanen with a couple of times, puck on stick, a uh, good opportunity, couldn't get shots through. That double that double pad stack save, it wasn't there. Didn't even get through to Mike Smith. He didn't make that save. But Jake was at least noticeable, which is good. And, and trust me, I am not equating Jake plays well, this team wins. Jake plays well, Trey Jake. Uh, I think most people are, are on that bus right now. But I felt three lines coming over the boards, at least, they were doing something. Heck, even Beagle's line with the three-plus minutes that we got to see Chase Horlick make his debut seemed to be effective, have a little bit of a cycle going. So I didn't mind that five-on-five It looked at it. I have to question, and Harm's going to join us as well, Harm Dale at, at 8 o'clock, and we get into some of the numbers. Make a little change to that power play, man. Those five guys, they move it around great, but they haven't been able to score at a consistent level, and especially when they needed it. Again, ample opportunity Good timing to get back in the game. Start that third period with the power play. Don't even get anything set up. Change it. Maybe put Alex Edler back there and see if he can get a shot through. Give something to that second unit. Actually has some value. Because right now, if that, that top unit doesn't score, they'll go a minute, minute 30, and get off the ice. And go, okay, now we're done. No time for that second unit. Why not change a body? Put a big body in front. See if you can do something different with it right now because it's not clicking when you need it. Let's get to Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada who joins us on this uh, Friday morning. It's... Uh... It's kind of the the same old song and dance, if you will, here, Ron. It's Groundhog Day, and it's February 26th, so it's kind of been four weeks of Groundhog Day here for the Canucks. Yeah, and I I listened to the last hour, and both of you, I I kind of agree with everything that you've said, uh, and that is that, you know, we're sick of uh, saying, well, we played well, uh, but we lost. I still think, I hate to say it, but it just felt like one of those games where maybe it's one of those that you play well and lose as you're coming out of a slump. Uh, that's what it felt like to me. There were so many good things in the game, believe it or not. I did think the power play struggled after its first attempt was fantastic. Uh, they zipped it around, and, yep. and uh, it just seemed like they started to hesitate, especially Elias Patterson. You know, he's in that third-year funk that we've talked about previously. It's happened to Bertuzzi. It's happened to Neely, and they've moved those guys, and you don't want to do that. You, you, you have to try and get him through this. Uh, that's, a, that's a real critical phase of what's going wrong for for Vancouver, in my estimation, the the unrest, you know, just seeing J.T. Miller's uh, exasperation, that storyline of discontent, you guys, has played out all around uh, the league. And I don't know if it's the pandemic. Uh, you, we saw the beautiful piece Tyler Mott did again for uh, mental health. But, you know, Patrick Liney's trade request, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Sam Bennett, Derek Stepan, uh, Matt Kachuk was upset in Calgary about apparently, you know, the whispers were that nobody came to his aid on one instant uh, where there was some rough stuff. Uh, Oilers waving James Neal, Habs firing their coaches. It's there. And and even last night watching the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, because I had a BC did in a friend of mine, uh, Suzanne Burt from Prince Edward Island, uh, which is, it was a BC was great. But they were saying uh, on the coverage that with lack of reps and with the pandemic, that the shot making wasn't very good this year at the Scotties, uh, that it was better to simplify and just play a takeout game. And, you know, no excuses, but I just think there's a lot of. Uh, you know, quick conclusions being drawn during the pandemic on both sides from the media and from within the rooms. And I, I feel Vancouver's ready to break out yeah, and nobody wants to hear it, but I, you know, they've got two in Winnipeg come uh, Monday, Tuesday, and then they've got the Leafs and the Canadians. And uh, I would give it six games. The question is, so Ron, what do you do after six games? Like, I mean, well, you, as you said, you can do, you, you just have to write yeah. it off. I, I think that's a COVID-19, uh, you know, I know it's five and six years and you can point the fingers at Jim Benning all you want, but uh, unless, you know, uh, you think 
I mean, there's nobody, you, you talking for Tannen trades and such, what, or Brandon Sutter, so what, right? Uh, your top six are the key to the deal. Like looking at uh, Quinn Hughes is maybe going to win the defensive scoring race, but his minus 14 is a problem. So they, they've got to sort that out. Uh, and, and they've got to get Pedersen going. Those are the two, those are the two superstars. When you look at Edmonton last night, I mean, after McDavid and Dreisaitl, it drops off. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has 19 points. He's right in there. Same with Toronto. They have Matthews and Marner at 30-plus points. But then it's John Tavares at 17 points. He would be like fifth or sixth on the Canucks in scoring. So most teams, if their two top guns aren't dominating, especially you know with the man advantage, you've got an issue. And then after that, you, there's other things you look at. Like the, the Jets are fine, but they have no, they've got four goals all year from the defense. I mean, in Montreal, Petrie's got six and Weber's got four. Montreal has like two minus players and they fired their coaches. Weber's at minus three and Sherratt's at minus one. Like certain guys are Joel Edmondson. I, I don't even have the numbers in front of me, but I think he's like plus 18 and Petrie's like plus 12. And they fired the coaches. It's really close, it, you know, and they, they are in a funk. Uh, so I'd be careful if, if you're Vancouver, even if after six games it goes awry, you just say to yourself, well, the pieces are there. It's just not their year. Yeah, and and I think now you, I think you're probably at the point where you start looking at selling assets. I mean, overwhelmingly, our our, our listeners this morning uh, sharing the, on, a, on a poll question on Twitter as well, thinking it's time to to sell assets. And and I think, you know, it makes total sense to kind of start looking at the idea of maybe cutting bait and getting some draft picks. But at the same time, it's a buyer's market, and who wants to take on salary in a in a COVID world? Ron McLean here on Sportsnet 650. What did you make of what went down this week in Montreal? Well, again, like I said, they had two minus players and they and they make a change because, you know, the pressure's on. They spent more money than anybody in the offseason to they ever, up yeah. the roster. Yeah. I and still like that team, too, though. Like, I, like I, I know they're going through a tough time, but I like that team. Yeah. I mean, uh, having said that, you know, they're, they're again, they're depth scoring. Nick Suzuki's got 13 points. Uh, I don't know what Kotkaniemi has. It's like nine points. They're not producing. They, they they feel like Vancouver to me in terms of, you know, I mean, their leading scorer is Petrie. Basically, Vancouver's leading scorer is Quinn Hughes. I realize Besser's got him by a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are troublesome signs. Is that, you know, Tyler Toffoli was a good pickup. He's at 17 points. Um, but they're, they're, they look like they're a little bit offensively challenged to me, to my eye. Josh Anderson, great get. Uh, he's hurt right now, but uh, I don't know how seriously. Um, but they're, they're, their back end looks like it's playoff built. Uh, you know, you were talking about Carey Price's numbers are terrible. He's 52nd in the NHL in goals against right now. Um, so there's, there's, there are trouble signs, but I don't think there's anything that says to me that between Montreal, Calgary, um, Ottawa, even if you want to throw them in the mix, and Vancouver, any one of those teams can be the fourth team in the playoffs. Ron McLean joins us as he does every Friday. You mentioned Carey Price. We got into it yesterday, Ron, kind of going, okay, let's let's look ahead to to the Olympics and let's look at what Canada has in goal. And, and James is of the mindset it's, it's Carey Price. And I agree by resume, but not by what have you done for me lately. It has been a really tough 12 months for Carey Price. Jake Allen has looked better. Um, where do you stand? I, I know you're a fan of Carey Price and the story is great. Uh, and he was good in the bubble. But is, is Carey Price a, a guy who's going to bounce back or at some point like a lot, has father time and, and the hockey that he's played and carrying that team for so long caught up to him? Well, I wouldn't 
bail on him. I would, I would let him start and then come back with whoever you've decided. Did you, who did you pick? Did you go with uh, somebody? Well, like we didn't really have it. We said, is, is, is Kemper there? Is Marc-Andre Fleury the best goalie yet older? Gosh, Mike right. Smith, the way he played yesterday, right? There's really no great young Canadian goalies there right now. No, I, although I do like Carter Hart. I think he's having a tough season, yeah. uh, but I, I really like him, and I like Mackenzie Blackwood over in New Jersey. So there's a couple of names that come to mind. Uh, for sure, Flurry's numbers are off the charts this year, so you kind of pay attention to what's happening a year from now. But I would I would definitely like Marty Brodeur started Vancouver 2010, and then Luongo took the net. That's kind of the scenario I see playing out. Give give Price, he's such a settling influence. He's He's a he's just a great uh, guy. When you're trying to put a team together and create uh, some goodwill and chemistry and whatever else it is that makes a team click in a short window, he's that guy. And he's a, he's a third defenseman out there playing the puck. Uh, so I, I would definitely give Price the the opportunity. Hey, humor me on this for a second here because you're you're a hockey historian, but. This weekend will mark the 11th anniversary of Sydney's golden goal here in Vancouver uh, that happened on the 28th. So the anniversary is on Sunday. But, you know, you look at three of the most defining moments in sports history in Canada. You've got Paul Henderson's 1972 goal in the Summit Series. You got the Gretzky to Lemieux and Cops Coliseum in the 87 Canada Cup. And then you got Crosby's golden goal. So generationally, I mean, you probably lean towards one or the other, depending on what vintage you are. But tell me this, knowing those three goals and as iconic as they are, which goal as a fan would you be agonizing more over your goalie giving up? Like the, the, loose, the loose puck scramble that Henderson knocks in? Is it right. the Lemieux clean shot that goes top shelf, or is it the, the, the Miller goal that he concedes to Sidney Crosby on that quick shot run? I, I, to me, I kind of look at the Henderson one would be pretty agonizing, but yes, I, and yeah, I, I, I put the, the the Miller one would probably be second. No, and, and furthermore, it was a 5-3 Soviet lead going into the mm-hmm. third period that mm-hmm. was squandered. So you definitely point your finger at Trechak on that, uh, you know, of the, that hat trick of uh, misfortune. I yeah. would pick Trechak <laughs> for sure. I mean, you can't blame, you cannot blame, uh, was it Michigan? Who was in net when uh, Lemieux scored? That's terrible. I, I think it was Michigan who had the, yeah. had the net there, yeah. So, I mean, it was a hell of a shot. And, and it was, a, everything was, there was a great decoy with Larry Murphy on the play. So it was a, it was a hard play for a goaltender. Uh, to stop a shot like that. And then in the case of Crosby's it was very much the Patrick Kane Stanley cup winner in uh, 2010 as well, where, you know, it's just that super quick release and nothing you can do about it. So yeah, I don't, I don't blame Ryan on that one either. You're going with the Henderson right. goal that you're going, ah, oh, you yeah. gotta have that goal. Such a magical, that your... uh, yeah, that, that, you know, for people of our ilk, uh, it was just such a pleasure to see a team down three games and down three goals and come back and win. That's uh, and, and actually the 87 series had a little bit of that. And, and when you think about it in Vancouver, Canada wasn't clicking. I just remember Wayne Gretzky doing an interview with Brian Williams midstream just before they played the Russians. And he was kind of a voice of reason. And uh, maybe you need Wayne on the air here in the next day or two to just settle everybody down in Vancouver the way he did <laughs> back in 2010. Oh. The old crock of crap in, uh, in, two, in Salt Lake, right? Yeah, yeah. That speech. No, that's true. Oh, he was fantastic. He was fantastic in Salt Lake for sure. He came in and did his. Well, he did the post game uh, press conference because he, he was mad at uh, Flurry had been manhandled by Roman Hammerlick, <laughs> and uh, that was. And, and not only that, Pat Quinn didn't let him in the room. That's the other thing. Quinn had shut the door, and Wayne was trying to get into the dressing room. And, oh, really? And he couldn't get. Yeah, when he couldn't get into the dressing room, that's what he ended up on the rostrum for the press. He, he was trying to go down to the 
Canadian dressing room and got sort of held out of there and he was ticked and he went on a mic and then he gave it to Hammerlick and to Americans and to Russians and everyone else in the world. <laughs> and then he came in the next morning and I remember he was kind of sheepish about the whole thing, but Oh God, it was, it was mad. It, as, as I wrote in one of the books that I was lucky to do with uh, Christy McClellan day, if you want to know what hockey means to Canadians, it's Phil Esposito's speech during the 72 series in Vancouver when they yep. kind of got booed off the ice uh, it's Haley Wickenheiser lashing out about uh, the Americans and the flag in the mm-hmm. dressing room and all that, which was a plant. Cassie Campbell Pascal made that story up that the Americans were stamping in the Canadian flag in the dressing room. And, but Haley bit it, uh, and she was lashing out. And Wayne, those are three of the great uh, testimonials to what it means to, to be a hockey person in our country. Well, and, and Ron, it takes a full circle, and you said you were listening last hour, and we, we talked about it. It's culture. I mean, we had Jerome Ginla on this week. I, I mean, there are just players, and it's, it's the ability when you get the best of the best, and they're going, what, okay, what do I have to do to win? What's my role there? And it's different when it's the world's best players and from this country, and you put on the Maple Leaf. But I do think, I mean, culture is a, is a big part of, of success in NHL hockey, and it's very difficult going back to what you said. We expect our heroes who put on shoulder pads and lace up the skates to be, uh, you know, they can't be penetrated by what's going on in the world. But well, I, I just think, right? And the then you have thing to is, this year. You know, expectations. Jerome had none in 2002. He made the team because Simon Gagne got hurt when they were having the training camp out in Alberta. And Gretzky phoned him out of the clear blue sky and said, get over here. We need a body. And he made the team. And same with 2010 even. He was not uh, Crosby's line mate early on. It was Crosby who told Babcock, give me Eric Stahl and Jerome Ginla. But, and I'm not saying he's not, like he's Hall of Fame 10,000 times over, but Jerome will tell you he was in a slump going into Salt Lake City, and he found it at the right moment. He scored two huge goals in the 5-2 win in the final. Uh, and, he, and he got a break when Crosby tapped him on the shoulder and said, I need some size. You know, even looking at Elias Pettersson again, I mean, it's not like Miller isn't got size, and but it just looks like, you know, he gets run a little bit out there, as Gretzky would have later in his career. Need to protect him. But again, he didn't have the pressure quite there that he did in the final against Tampa in 2000. And he was still magnificent. He did everything in humanly possible. He single-handedly almost built Vancouver, beat Vancouver in the opening round, and he took on Le Cavalier. And great as it gets. But sometimes it's that overwhelming pressure uh, that, you know, can buckle you and I think the Canucks are facing a little bit of it you can feel it in their game especially in those power plays later on in the night last night nice to catch up uh always fun going down memory lane and uh talking about yeah. the the state of panic across the country and all these different markets as well it was for, it was great to find someone else to blame it's Trechak. <laughs> yes there we go <laughs> thanks Ron have a great weekend yeah you, too, you guys Thank you. Uh, there he is, Ron McLean from Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, on what ails the Canucks and, and seeing some positive signs uh, that maybe this is a sign that this is a team that um, is close to maybe ending this uh, this funk. They, they've been in games. That, you know, something Ron mentioned, though, about Pedersen pair. Um, that's why I don't love the idea of Besser, Pedersen, and Hoaglander. I just don't know if there's enough weight on that line. I just don't. I, I agree. But, I, like, did Edmonton hit anybody? Like, this is not a very physical North division. Everyone tries to outskill you. Only team that I would say right now plays heavy is Winnipeg. They've got some big boys if they want to lay around. I don't, just don't think – I would guarantee that's my concern. That's too small. Against Edmonton, they're going to always try and out-finesse you. So I think you can go with it. 
but yeah, going forward, when the world is normal, when you're playing 82 games, that line needs some help. That's for sure. The one thing about Ron, though, I mean, you know, they're playing the type of hockey that they're playing well that'll bust out of the slump. That's February, man. That was the whole month. You played good hockey. You didn't win anything. And that's what makes this one so tough. Uh, all right, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of people jumping in this morning with uh, submissions for Canucks and a song. And uh, here we go. Uh, Jay and Ladysmith. I actually thought about this one too, Jay. Good call. It's a little Paula Cole. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. I want to know right now what will it be. You know, not wanting to wait for this. Uh, oh, man. You know, there's still half a season to kind of play out here. And and dare I say, Pear, um, boy, they could have used Sam Gagne last night, who scored his first hat trick in nine oh, years last oh, night for the geez. Detroit Red Wings. Yes. Meanwhile, yes. paying for Ryan Spooner. Uh, East Fan Tommy had this one. You know what? East Fan Tommy saying, I am done with this Canucks season, and I am shifting to baseball. That's why his Canucks in a song this morning is John Fogarty's center field. You know, that's a good uplifting Friday song. I haven't heard that in forever. That's a good song. I'm telling you right now, Eastman Tommy's texting us at some point next week if the Canucks win a game. It's easy to say, I like the song, but at the heart of it, even when this team isn't winning hockey games, everyone is tuned in. And they have been the ultimate reality show because you're not sure which character is going to mess up, what time he'll mess up, or do they survive to the next episode. Because it's been fascinating, and it's death by a thousand cuts. But, hey, just like last night, fascinating to see what was going to go on. Maybe, maybe you're playing better. No, not again. Uh, Jordan in Saskatoon going with a little limp to the biscuit, a little break stuff. It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up. Everything is, everybody sucks. Man, this guy was on top of the music world about 20 years ago, and then people just kind of went, but man, this guy pumped out some hits in about a two-year window, and then everybody just kind of almost in denial that that sort of period that they were, everybody had a Limp Biscuit album or disc at one time. Imagine if the Canucks could have the rage like old-time rock and rollers, and they did break stuff when they went back to the hotel rooms. They would have, it had been mass destruction right across the country at all the Westons and Hyatts of the world, the way they've played and how they've lost. Uh, Mario and Richmond, I think, summing up the Canucks' playoff chances with this Aerosmith classic. It's Dream On. Dream On, Dream On. One of the great front men in the history of rock and roll, screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, Big Worm and Ladysmith. Uh, shout out to Ladysmith this morning. A lot of people up there listening uh, on the Sportsnet app. Uh, how about this Chris Isaac uh, Diddy Wicked Game? But a wicked thing to do to make me dream of. was a wicked game last night. Canucks were in it, and then that second goal that Thatcher Demko concedes uh, as the backbreaker last night. By the way, Chris Isaac, I believe the Chris Isaac show was filmed here in Vancouver going back in the 2000s. Yeah. And I've yeah. heard of the, how about this little rumor I heard the other day that 
Ryan Reynolds is filming, I think, in Ladner these days or has been uh, over the last little while. Ryan Reynolds just posted something about his, what has he got, a tequila or a gin? I think it's uh, tequila. Yeah, it's a tequila that you can buy in Ontario, but you can't find it here in BC. It's it's. We got into the liquor laws once, I think, with the discussion uh-huh. with uh, Nick Kiprios, and yeah. it's just not easy. But uh, not that Ryan Reynolds needs an extra source of income, <laughs> uh, but it would be nice, right? Like, how many people are buying that tequila if you're at a liquor store? Oh, ah, it's Ryan Reynolds. I'll support the cause. Like, he needs my money, so you yeah. do that. Well, I mean, look at uh, look at Jeff Molson uh, and the Montreal Canadiens, right? I think I think alcohol has been the pandemic's been good to alcohol. Wouldn't it be great if some, you know, Ryan Reynolds got into soccer, um, if you just had um, a little bit of uh, celebrity uh, ownership, you know, Ryan Reynolds becomes a 1% owner of the Canucks and does it, you know, just <laughs> that little thing you see it in the NBA. You feel like it's your team. Yeah. Right? You know what, Pete? Well, people would start crapping on Ryan Reynolds just the way that everybody, hey, Francesco, Francesco, uh, Reynolds, 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 uh, Deadpool, uh, you know. At some point, at some point, he would become the face of, uh, you know, Canucks fans frustration. So uh, I don't know if he wants to go down there. 27 minutes after seven o'clock. It is the starting lineup here on Sportsnet 650. He's Perry Selkowski. I'm James Sabolski. We're going to head to Seattle. Is this it for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks? Larry Stone from the Seattle Times looks ahead to what lies ahead for the future of the greatest player in franchise history next year on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. You know, I think at the end of the day, you, you want to win. You know, I play this game every day to wake up to win. You play this game, you know, to, to be the best in the world. You know, I, you know what I hate? I hate sitting there watching other guys play the game. <laughs> this is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 7.33. Is this the end? Have we come to the end of the road to steal a line from boys to men with Russell Wilson? the Seattle Seahawks as uh, Russ's agent yesterday saying that, look, he hasn't demanded a trade, but we have given a list of four cities that we'd be willing to go to, that being Chicago, Dallas, New Orleans, or Vegas, in the event that uh, Seattle wants to make that move. It's Look, I, I think if you want out at some point, you're going to have to just be open and honest about it, and I think... Is Russ prepared to put that black hat on and essentially be the villain to say, hey, I'm, I'm done here? I, I appreciate the ability that Russell Wilson has. I think some people wondered if Russell Wilson was all about the team. He lost me when he announced his contract extension in bed with his wife. <laughs> I didn't care for that, man. I don't need to know. I don't need to know that much about your life. And if you love my city that much, then play the game. But I do think. You know, Tom Brady's world was different at 43. You're a free agent. Go where you want. But, oh, you can't leave Boston, Tom. You can't. And he's going, actually, you know what? There's a better situation for me elsewhere. And with what Deshaun Watson's doing, with what you see that goes on in the NBA, you're going, you know what? Maybe. So Rush throws it. Rush throws the image on the line and kind of has the conversation. Let's put it out there. I think Pete Carroll will, will quell it and keep him there. But uh, if we were to have that conversation, is Russ Wilson forever a Seahawk? I think the answer is no now, James, isn't it? Well, he's clearly more frustrated about getting hit than he initially uh, suggested. Larry Stone from the Seattle Times uh, joins us here this morning. Larry, good morning. It feels like uh, the end is near, but financially there are uh, there's a, a massive cap hit in the way here potentially. Give me a sense of uh, how you see things playing out. Good morning, by the way. <laughs> Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, at first it seemed like it was uh, just kind of rust venting, uh, maybe frustrated by the Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. the the longer this goes on, and the more that comes out, it seems like a genuine unhappiness and and a deeper rift with uh, the Seahawks and Pete Carroll than I think was was uh, thought before. So, uh, yeah, you know, the you'd think that this is paving the way for him to be traded. But then, as you mentioned very correctly, the salary cap ramifications almost make that uh, a non-starter, you know, $39 million in dead money cap hit if they, if they trade him and, and, oh yeah, they're without it. They're without a quarterback, depending on who they get in return. If it's for, you know, I've seen four or five draft picks or whatever. Uh, well, draft picks aren't going to, uh, go under center and and this is a team that won 12 games last year i don't think they're ready to go start a rebuilding campaign so it's a it's a unique and fascinating situation in a lot of ways larry is it surprising it's extremely surprising you know uh russell is a guy who you you know you've seen his press conferences it's all positive uh happy talk go seahawks go Hawks. You know, he he says that at the end of every interview, uh, he's not a guy who speaks out and, and him and his camp since the Super Bowl has been kind of a nonstop grievance tour, really. Uh, you know, this latest eruption wasn't really their doing. It was the athletic writing a, a story, you know, but then, then came the, the tweet from Adam Schefter that, uh, you know, that he doesn't want to be, he wants to be a Seahawk, but if they are going to trade him, here's the four teams we're going to go to. And I've seen a lot of people say on Twitter, it's like saying I lo- to your wife, you know, I love you, but here's the four women that I'd like to date if, if it doesn't work yeah. out. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, uh, the whole thing is surprising. Uh, the, as you mentioned, you know, you look at the money and I don't know how it happens, but Do you also think Pete Carroll is a guy who's been able to let personalities grow and has such a relationship? Is their relationship damaged, do you think, in any way, or is this something, Pete, is uh, a couple hours of conversation and everybody's back on the same page? Well, I think think the answers are yes and yes. Uh, I think it it, – I mean, not being privy to the – complete uh, reality of the situation. I, I can't say this definitively, but it sure seems like there's, there's a dent in their relationship. But I do think that Pete, I mean, they've got nine years together. They got a Super Bowl together. There's a lot of history there. A lot, you know, uh, there's, there's affection that's been there. And I don't think that has been completely ruptured. So, I mean, I do think that ultimately Pete will be able to, to, to mend this, uh, but uh, I'm less confident of that today than I was like two or three weeks ago when this first when this first started. I can also see a scenario where it's sort of irreparable damages and uh, something has to be done. So, uh, you know, you'd think that I mean, Pete has done that before. He's uh, he, you're right. He does let players vent, but it's not it doesn't always work out. I mean, they they got rid of uh, Earl Thomas. They got rid of Richard Sherman. Michael Bennett. So it's not a hundred percent. If he feels some somebody is uh, detrimental to the team, uh, he's not above uh, not making you know uh, dispatching that person. But Russell Wilson's a different in a, an entire nuclear different category. I mean, he is the franchise. So uh, I, I don't think it would be 
behoove the Seahawks to to make this work because they're much better with Russell Wilson than without him, in my opinion. Oh, I, I mean, I think he is the greatest player in franchise history uh, at this point, if you were to rank all time. Uh, Larry Stone from the Seattle Times here on Sportsnet 650. Larry, what's the, what's the end game here? Then is is there is there a is there a fit that ultimately looks to be the best? I mean, you look at how things have played in the last 24 hours since the athletic article dropped, and if you start connecting the dots, you know, you go back to Russ's comments. It's like it all kind of makes sense. And how many former teammates or or guys that are friends with Russ that are kind of speaking out on his behalf, kind of saying. Guy's miserable right now. Like, is there is there a fit here, or is there a way that the Seahawks can kind of get out of this? There's some deferred money if they wait till June, right? Yeah, yeah, there is. But then you you also miss the draft. Uh, you know, you don't get draft picks from this year uh, because the draft will have already happened. Uh, but you know, I guess if you get a quarterback in return, you could, and you got future draft picks, that would mitigate that. But. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's the four teams that they threw out there. there there's there's fits with in a way with all of them, um, but I still think the end game to me is maybe a meeting of the minds, a big sit down, get everything off your chest meeting between Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, John Schneider, the general manager, and coming up with a way to move forward uh, where they can where everyone is is happy. Uh, you know, I don't know if they've tried that already behind the scenes or not, but uh, uh, I, you know, as as dire as this seems right now, and as as much as it's disintegrating, I still think it's unlikely that they that they trade him just for the reasons that it would not make them a better team. And you know, Pete Pete's seventy years old; he's he's not in for a, a rebuilding campaign. You know, he wants to win another Super Bowl. Russ wants to win another Super Bowl, so. Uh, I think ultimately that would be best done all together. And I think, uh, I think that they'll figure out a way to do that. But again, uh, it just, every time you think that this has kind of reached the end, there's a new, uh, there's a new wrinkle that makes you think that maybe this is a campaign uh, by Russell to not just air his uh, displeasure, but to actually uh get him out of there and if that's the case it's going to get uglier larry thanks for this um i guess real quick uh is, is he a hawk next year or not in 2021 <laughs> i'm gonna say yes but without the supreme confidence i would have answered that with it uh, two weeks ago <laughs> yes with an asterisk uh thanks yeah. for this uh appreciate it thank I mean, you larry fascinating to see how it's unfolded here in the last 24 hours that's for sure thanks all right thanks guys Larry Stone from the Seattle Times uh, here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I think a lot of people kind of feel the same way here, Pierre, where, you know, was it Russ just kind of being a little more transparent that, ah, a little frustrated, but I think that athletic article was way more explosive. The fact that there are four teams out there that Russ has basically said already, and selfishly speaking, as a long-suffering Bears fan, please! Um, hey, look, he's that good. He's worth three first-round picks that they've talked about, maybe even being the worst, but I mean, with this much smoke around here, it certainly feels like the end is near here for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. It's just a question of how do you facilitate that this year because the dead money is a devastating cap hit. Yeah, you get paid your big money by the cities you're in because of, A, what you have done, and Russell still has a lot of good years in front of him. 
but you know they want you to be there. You're so ingrained with that franchise. Russell's a part owner of the Seattle soccer team, right? It's it's the love affair with the city and what he's accomplished. But I think what we see in the NBA, you know, imitation the greatest form of flattery, and we've been seeing NBA stars Harden this year kind of control the narrative of where they want to play when they've had enough of franchises. And, you know, Deshaun Watson, who met with ownership in, in Houston this week, and let it be clear, and hell, I don't want to play here anymore. And there's a guy who's in the same MVP conversation that Russ was in when the season starts and is in the same situation as Russ, who was running for his life because of a bad offensive line most of the year, thinking, I want something else. And Russell, to go to the Super Bowl, watch Tom Brady, all right, leave a city that loved him and have success – it's within him to go, do I do I want to go there? And now he's opened up Pandora's box, right? There's got to be Seahawks fans that eventually slowly going to, okay, we don't want him here. If all he's going to do is complain, we don't want him here. But a guy who is so image conscious to kind of trickle it out there and say, no, no, I don't want to go. But, oh, by the way, here's the list of four. Um, maybe he's ready to make that move. It's too bad. He kept this team relevant for a long time when I think people thought they would fall after the Super Bowl years. I think he's there next year, but I don't think the love affair in the long term, Russell Wilson in Seattle, is is going to play out anymore. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of people jumping in on this uh, and Russ's future. Ian and Coquitlam saying the reason Russ gets hit is he holds on to the ball longer than any other quarterback. I'd take Carr uh, plus the picks over Russ and use that cap space to add elsewhere on the roster. Doran and Victoria saying no way Russ is back. Could you imagine the first media availability after he gets sacked five times in a game? Fire! That's Doran. Uh, Mario and Richmond, uh, dream on. Wilson is not going anywhere. He's leveraging the Seahawks. Nothing more. So a lot of people jumping in. Feel free to throw in your thoughts as well at 650-650. Don't forget your Canucks commute coming up at 8 o'clock. Harmondale from The Athletic will join the conversation as the Canucks fall yet again here. Uh, it's Friday morning. At least the Canucks aren't playing any more games this month. There's a positive on a Friday here on Sportsnet 650. I did This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> uh, nine years ago today, the uh, oh, is that it? The, something that goes right up there with "Boom Goes the Dynamite." Uh, dude from uh, bowling with Pete Weber, is that what it was? Uh, bowling. Oh, I don't think that was that Pete Weber. Maybe it I was don't... Pete Weber. But, uh, Pete, like Pete Weber is a Hall of Fame bowler. I don't know if that's a guy. I mean, when you can be a bowler and have that much sack, for lack of a better word, like you're that, like really, it's, it's impressive. Yeah, no, it is. It was. It was Pete Weber. Yes, it was Weber. It was uh, okay. Nine, nine years near nine years ago, the who do you think you are? I am. Like, doesn't that feel like a line that would have been written for Kingpin? Well, you know, there comes a time. I, I was telling you, we watched frisbee golf. A lot of people got into our our disc golf conversation. The guy's got a $10 million endorsement. And I went down the rabbit hole and watched probably 10, 15 minutes of disc golf yesterday. Really well produced. Uh, I don't know what the champions were from, what year. But, I mean, there used to be a time that on Saturdays, like, there would be nothing but bowling on. Remember Chris Schenkel was a longtime ABC announcer, and it would, you'd, you'd, you'd watch people bowl. Like, I mean, some people may think, yeah, that's crazy, but people watch cards and you can learn from playing poker, I guess, and you watch darts. But uh, bowling was a thing. You know, I, th- I think on, on social media, uh, it's Clay Emu who, who does work with uh, Maria Hu and, and makes those parody songs for the Canucks. I believe his kid, 
I'm sure someone will text in. And Clay, I think Clay's kid is either on a bowling scholarship or something. Like, it's amazing what you can get scholarships for. For sure. Um, while we have a moment, uh, your Canucks commute coming up at uh, at eight o'clock. Do you want to address something that you mentioned to us before we went to air about your wardrobe attire after a workout? Oh. Yeah, and you know what? And, and soccer players step up and let us know. The text line, uh, they're in on bowling, they're in on disc golf. Okay, is it possible? And you're just, no, no, no. It is so possible to be athletic and wear sandals and socks. Two days ago, I have a killer workout. Great on the treadmill, great in the weight room, sweated like a pig, feel good about myself. Hey, come home, shower up. I've got to make a run to the grocery store. I'm just going to put on sweats. I then put on some Nike socks. You can see the swoosh emblem on. Probably paid way too much because they're just socks. And then I put on a pair of Adidas sandals. And I went, socks and sandals, into the grocery store. And damn it, I felt athletic. Not like a bowler. I felt like an athlete. You don't think it's possible? And you guys said it's not possible to wear socks and sandals and be looked at like nothing like you're an idiot. No, you look like an old man. No. You look like if unless you're pulling off like a a fit athletic frame in your twenties, walking into a store with socks and sandals, dude, you might as well be in a retirement home. I am wearing Nike socks. Whether you think I look athletic or not, I do, and you can do exactly that. Listen, no, Raj from Victoria, no, thank no, you. No, Soccer player for no twenty way. years. Socks and sandals is a power move. Exactly, Raj. It's a power move. You can't have no. brown socks. No. If you are wearing socks and sweats, it's a power move. No. No way. Thank you. No, Raj, Again, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, we've got more people jumping in. Socks and sandals is a real thing. Hopper rock socks, no. sandals all the no. time. Like, you don't put on Birkenstocks and gray socks. Stay away from me, man. Stay away from me. You're not a jock. But if no. you are rocking a look... With some Nike sandals, with some Adidas sandals, and, and Seaball, you know my shoe game. It's as good as anybody in the office, anybody you know. And my shoe game does not go backwards when I put on sandals and socks. Stop it. Get some no. help. No. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Exactly. No, 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 man. You, 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 everybody texting in agreeing with you, they've all just said that they're 82 years old. They're not. Listen, yeah. I travel. Raj lives in Victoria. Of course he's old. I travel with the pro soccer team. All those white caps did sock sandals. It's yeah, but like, those guys just, were in their twenties. Those guys were in their twenties, pair. You're, you're, no, no, no. You cannot lump yourself in as a, as a, as a pro athlete pulling off socks and sandals. No, that is a red card. That's a fifteen-yard major foul to go into a but store I, balling like that because you're not balling. I, you're falling. I could wait. I'm a weekend warrior. I've just, I've just done everything. You can come up with that, right? Absolutely, says Shane. You can wear socks and slides on the way home from a game, a walk into a store. Exactly, Shane. It looks like it, right? No, I I mean, some other people are saying I'm wrong, and I'm not reading your texts, right? I don't care if you say I'm wrong, because I get the choice to read them or not. Basketball players do it every day, man. Hey, look, I get it walking around in your house. If you want to do you, that's all good. But why can't you just take your socks off and just go in with your bare feet and sandals? Because it's cold outside. And guess what? You know what? Tell me something that feels better than putting on a new pair of socks. Oh, 
If you've just run and your feet are blistered or you've played a game in cleats, I played soccer. And, and come on, I was a collegiate soccer player. I was good. I'm not a husband athlete. <laughs> I'm oh, the man. Look at this. I'm the man. Basketball um, players do it every day. Only old people think socks and sandals is an old thing still. Oh, now, now, you're, I, now I'm getting the lump for being called. Now I'm getting called old for saying that. Thank you. It's an old thing. Come on. Chris and Nanaimo, yep. socks and sandals are an old man look for sure. I'm Thank with Seaball on this one, Perry. This Thank may be you, one Balik. of your worst takes that you've had in a while. And, and that's really, saying something. Really? Yeah. Says Guess what? We've had a bunch <laughs> of people jump on the jump on the text, and it's right. If it feels right, Perry, I agree. It's called style, James. I've seen your Instagram. You have none. That's up there with wearing <laughs> Crocs, Perry. That's that's so no, bad. No, it's not. That's like, so oh, bad. You know what I get from this conversation? Neither of you are athletes. That's what I find out. Ballot, you pretend you're a goalie. Seaball, you pretend you're successful and you're a hockey player and you bring mom and dad on this radio station. You go, James is playing a coy. He's got a bunch of trophies in his bedroom. You know what? You're not athletes because you don't understand that today after I work out, I'm going to go up on the bike. I'm going to spin for a bit. I'm going to get to the gym. It's Friday. I'm probably going to run out to the store and I'm put on white socks and my Nike sandals and I'm going to walk around maybe with a little toque on and I'm going to look like an athlete. Perry would probably go into a locker room bathroom wearing socks. So on the Dunbar Lumber text line. It's all coming at you. Well, I'll tell you what, I didn't think it was I didn't I'll tell you what, I am shocked at how many people are actually defending you on this. We'll get to more of this in the eight o'clock hour. You know, Harmon Dale from the Athletic, he crunches the number. I bet you he has some analytics to break down, whether it's fair or foul wearing socks and sandals. We'll do that next here on your home of the Canucks Sports Net six fifty. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. It's another thing that this this team here, you know, is, is going to have to battle through. And, you know, I think if if you've seen the improvement that we made from the beginning of the year, I, I still think that we can make some improvements, um, you know, myself included, just um, taking another step from, from where we are right now. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. There's Thatcher Demko as the Canucks fall yet again. That's four straight losses. That's 11 losses in the last 13. It is your Canucks commute here on this Friday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, the unfashionable one. 650, oh. 650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Oh, yeah, we'll get to those. We'll get I, to those, pair. Don't you Don't I've got to make a speech of this support. It's Trump-like. I love it. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, look, the Canucks, Harmondale from The Athletic will join us here in a moment. And a reminder that this hour of the starting lineup is a presentation of uh, Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Special teams, uh, a backbreaker last night for this team or an Achilles heel, if you will. Uh, they've now gone one for 13 with the man advantage in the last five games. Uh, the penalty killing unit has given up four goals in the last 14 uh, opportunities for the man advantage with the opposition. Uh, when you're operating at 72% on the power uh, on the penalty kill, um, that's murder. You know, you're just you're hemorrhaging way too many goals. You're giving up too many chances, and they 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 did just that against the Edmonton Oilers, who went two for five with the man advantage last night. This team, uh, good effort pair. But it's just simply put, they're just not good enough. And I understand the logic of trying to shake up the lines last night. But the fact is, uh, this is uh, this team is basically the lotto line, and that's it up front. There is just no other secondary scoring outside of maybe Bo Horvat, and even Bo is going through a rocky period right now. 
I hope Travis Green stays with the line. And and listening to Thatcher Demko, they're talking. I thought Thatcher Demko was very good yesterday with timely saves. I know you don't agree. I thought he was good. I thought he has gotten better. But I'll say this. I'm listening to him and thinking, I, I wonder if, if this is a similar clip in Ottawa where they go, you know, we've improved a lot in the last month. And, and you and I were talking about, you know, the silky hands. There's some silky mitts on the Ottawa Senators. They're going the right way. But it's where you are on this journey. And, and I thought the Canucks played well. And we've talked about a month of February where I think they did play well, had some bad luck, but they didn't win. And this entire city, this entire fan base was thought to believe we were on a journey a little closer towards success than we are. And it's like, hang on here. We've now pulled back and, and we've gone this far backwards that we aren't moving the right direction. And it had been talked about before on this show and with others and Murph joining us that maybe you're taking a step back to go a step forward. And, yeah, I can watch last night's game and go, they weren't bad. I agree with what they said, but you didn't win. And we were told that you are now set to win. You've rebuilt and you're ready to win now, and you're not. And it's so disappointing to watch this hockey game, and the best thing we can offer up is it's easier to watch and not look at the standings, win or lose, because the disappointment is so genuine. And to your point, James, there's just not enough there. But I think it was spread out at least yesterday, and I hope he stays with that kind of a lineup in Winnipeg. Look, I, I don't know how much longer you can continue to try to keep a brave face, but, you know, it's funny. You look at the standings, um, and if you want to try to suggest that, hey, they're still within striking distance, you know, the Habs are bleeding right now, right? The Habs yep. are absolutely hemorrhaging at the moment. But the problem is is that the Habs still have five games in hand. Right. Like they've mm-hmm. at some point, at some point, there's probably going to be a market correction for the Montreal Canadiens. Right. Were they as good as their start? Maybe not. Are they as bad as this current run of having lost, what, six or seven? Probably not either. Right? OK, so do you think there's going to be a market correction for the Canucks or we'll never see that? It's as good as it gets. I think if anything, you know what, if the Canucks are a 500 team down the stretch, I think they're as good as they're going to get, right? Like, honestly, like, look at them right now. Like, have they played well the last three weeks? Yes, and they're still not good enough, right? Like, your your best isn't good enough. And uh, your, your goaltending has let you down this year. Your back end was grossly overrated. I'm guilty of that. You know, on paper, it looked like this team was mm-hmm. going to be significantly de- better, and, and they're not. Uh, you get way more offense. I'll give them credit for that. And up front, um, hey, look, I, I think there was the expectation that the young guys were going to grow with, from within and take a step forward. I don't know if we've really seen that. I think, if anything, Pedersen is maybe status quo from last year or is maybe taking a stride back. Uh, and, and year three, we talked about it with Ron McLean. But, but the rest of the roster at this point right now, Pear, this team is stuck. And I think you had a window last year with this team to try to make make a move or, or make a run in the playoffs. But now you're probably waiting for best case scenario for 22-23 to where maybe a window of contention might open again. What you've got to look at is you've got to look at getting a Louis Erickson cap off the books. You've got to get a Sven Berchi cap off the books. You've got to get Brandon Sutter's cap. You've got to get Jay Beagle. Antoine Roussel, like, man, you're talking, you know, you're talking about more than a quarter of your payroll that you need to clear the deck on from bodies that just are not helping you at all offensively. Like all those names I mentioned, those guys have done nothing offensively this year. Uh, I will say this. I think you will find, um, 
I, I think you will find this team will get on a run. I do think they're better than their record shows, and you're going to have peaks and valleys in a season. We've yet to see a peak. All it has been is valleys, average, and then valleys again. I don't think they will dig out of this eventually. I think the Ottawa Senators, they have no expectations. They're continuing to play well. Calgary and Montreal, I'm not so sure. But I do think there will be a time right now, put the playoff conversation in the desk. We're not going to pull it out. I think we will pull it out at some point again to go, you know, things, if they really go well, maybe. I don't think they make the postseason, but this team is better than they've showed. They're not as close as many thought. We've talked about it before. Chris Higgins, we'll find out if this team was a fraud because a lot of people in the NHL thought in the bubble, young team, got in a groove, and were unbeatable. They don't have any of that confidence left. I, they'll get better. They're not a playoff team, but I, I think we will actually be able to have a discussion about a possible postseason position without it being ludicrous, which is kind of what I think it is right now. The the idea of going back to these lines, yes, were their chances last night. Pair, they got shut out. They got shut out for the second time in a week. Right? The teams know, get like, shut out. Right? This, this, I mean, this the Toronto Maple Leafs almost got shut out twice this week, James. Mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs were three minutes away from getting shut out by the same team for the first time in like 90 years. Mm-hmm. Now, they scored at the end. Give them credit. Goalie pulled. They score. They end up winning the game. Sign of a good team. But teams get shut out. Did they have chances? Yeah, and I would argue that they had some pretty good chances between three lines, not just the lotto line. But, you know, do you think they can't score? They can score. They were shut out. And tell you what, let's talk to Mike Smith about can you give us the top five hockey games you played in the last couple of years? How quickly does last night's performance go to number one? I'm not getting away from the fact that Canucks aren't good and they need some help. But give a touch of credit to a hockey team that is on an absolute roll right now in the NHL. Uh, 10, 10 of the last 12. Yes. Um, but here's the unfortunate thing that look, I, I understand where you're coming from. And you know what? Here's the thing. I think Travis Green made this point last night where this team, you're more frustrated if they're not playing well, as opposed to, you know, you're encouraged by the fact that the team is playing well for the most part, but you just had four games against two teams that you are looking at dead in the eye and say, you know what, we got to win these games, we got to take care of business at home, and you went 0 for 4. Not a split, not 1 and 3, 0 and 4. And you got shut out in two of them, right? So first off, take those Sprite can jerseys and fire them off into the sun. There's number one. And two, just recognize that, this team isn't good enough, right? And and the growth that was expected from within has not happened this year. And look, they're not the only young core to have sputtered over the last decade. The Oilers have done it. The Colorado Avalanche have done it. It took the you know it took the Tampa Bay Lightning how many years with Hedman and Stamkos and, and and Nikita Kucherov? How many years did it take them to sputter before they finally kind of broke on through this past year, right? It takes time outside of the probably the Chicago Blackhawks that were able to take care of business early with Taves and Kane. Man, teams that have won the cup over the last decade, they are veteran squads. St. Louis, L.A., Pittsburgh with Sid and Gino in the last few years. Look at all these teams. Washington, my God, Ovi was in the league for almost 15 years by the time they finally won a cup with Nick Backstrom. And look at that core, right? Like they weren't kids. It's going to take some time. 
And we're probably at least two years away before they kind of get back on their feet again to be in a position to say, all right, the Canucks could do some damage here. I don't know if we're taking two years. I mean, this is a... a how do they crazy... get back into it next year? Like, how do they get back? Like, unless that well, Demko you... turns into Jacob Markstrom for last, or turns into bubble Demko uh, for three games. What well, are you telling me? You haven't seen any progress at all with Thatcher Demko? Say again. Like, I, 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 you don't think you've seen Thatcher Demko? Like, you're going, oh my god, Thatcher Demko may he's not progressed. He's regressed. He's not anything like we saw. Thatcher Demko was good yesterday, his, his, man. You know what he. The save percentage is reflective of a terrible first six weeks of the defense playing in front of him, not giving him a chance. He's still growing. But, hey, how do they get better? They're going to unload yeah. some contracts that, because they're getting that, through that it. That second, goal, that second goal was an absolute backbreaker. And you know what? I did think that Thatcher Demko played well. But you know what? That was a bad goal to concede, and that was the ball game. Uh, Harmon Dale from The Athletic joins us here bright and early this morning. Harm, before we kind of dive into what, we're, what you're seeing at Rogers Arena, set the record straight. Fair or foul to walk into a grocery store with socks and sandals on? Ooh, I think that's a little foul, honestly. Thank you. I, oh, I, you know, I, I don't think so. Both of you I, guys. I, like... I think you can do. I think you can do slides on a summer day. Yeah, but socks and sandals. I don't know. About well, that no, and that's day. what I'm talking about. I'm talking about slides, right? Like you know, my definition. I'm not talking a toe sandal. I'm talking harm. I'm talking a Nike sandal with a big Nike sock on in sweats because I just grinded it in the gym for ninety minutes. Like okay, everybody has. J- yeah, and everyone's a great ball. You're just so lost with this. Oh, my God. Like, you're so lost with nothing. Arm, don't talk. sway on this, man. Don't sway on no. this. I'm, I'm <laughs> with you. Um, t- t- are we just resigned to the fact that, uh, it, it, you know what? When you look at the assets that they can consider selling, how realistic is it to expect much back when you're talking about the Tanner Pearsons and the Brandon Sutters here now, Harm? In a, in a, what is a buyer's market here in this NHL season? Yeah, well, I think if you can move quickly, um, I I think at least with Tanner Pearson, you're looking at uh, someone who can is is a plug and play option in any team's middle six. And I think uh, the fact that he is a dependable two way player, player that, uh, again, can play really anywhere, anywhere in your top nine, uh, has a lot of experience playing, playing in high leverage situations against the opposition's best players. I think he's a really versatile piece. Um, and obviously he has uh, the sort of playoff experience. He's uh, won a cup in L.A. to where I think he would be attractive to teams. So at least with Pearson, I think he'd hold uh, pretty pretty considerable trade value. Uh, beyond that, yeah, I think uh, if, you're, if you're talking about Brandon Sutter, you, you'd have to get creative in terms of retaining salary and then maybe even laundering him through a third team to really – Get his uh, salary or salary or cap hit down to a point where he'd be attractive to contending teams. Um, I think in, uh, the the more interesting piece in Sutter for teams would uh, would be Jordy Ben. I think if you were able to retain on him uh, at one million dollars, I think Ben's had uh, had uh, a really nice bounce back season. Uh, obviously, I don't think contending teams are going to look at him as a top four piece the way he's kind of played for Vancouver, but. He's just been a dependable, sturdy defensive piece, and I, I think playoff teams they uh, they always love to stockpile uh, defensive depth. And, and though the again the type of bounce back year that Ben's had, um, his stock has really come up a lot compared to where he was last season, where uh, in the second half of the campaign he was a healthy scratch. So I think 
Uh, ben could be relatively attractive, but uh, you're right. I think outside of Pearson, the Canucks don't have a ton of assets that they can really uh, sell and get considerable value on. Like we've heard a lot of speculation on Jake Rutanen and Adam Gaudet. Um, with those guys, I think you're talking about marginal value on the market if you are to dangle them just because they're they're at an all-time low in their value. So um, really, I think this is about heading into this deadline. You have to sell on your veterans. Armandale joins us. Harm, I know you dig deep into the numbers. Uh, the biggest numbers is did they get a point or two points after a game, and that hasn't happened in February. I said last night on Twitter, the Canucks power play is the prettiest, most ineffective power play in the NHL. They, they scored four in a row to start in February. I think they're the three of 24. Do the, do the underlying numbers dictate that that first unit should be kept together and you shouldn't tinker with a, a big body in front or anything? Well, I think, you know, when you do sort of go in, uh, the number one thing I look for with the power play is obviously you need to be able to you know, get the entries, get set up. They're at least checking that box. Um, you look at their shot rate and, and they are at least, I mean, that doesn't tell you anything about their quality chances or, or their actual production, which is at the end of the day, the bottom line. But okay, we can say, number one, they're at least into the zone and, and they're getting set up. Now, I do think there is merit to the idea that they need to tinker at least with something because uh, clearly the results through the first 24 games haven't been good enough. The power play was a decisive difference maker for the team last season. When they made the playoffs last year, you've got to keep in mind the Canucks weren't this great 5-on-5 team. They were actually outscored at 5-on-5. They were able to make the difference up with with lethal special teams, a a power play that was fourth in efficiency and had the best goal differential in the National Hockey League. So they absolutely live and die by that man advantage and the fact that they haven't gotten that production this season has been a backbreaker so uh when you look at sort of the issues i think it's they're multifaceted i think through the first handful of games it was you looked at them and said okay they're getting a lot of high danger chances you at least like their process and then they did have i think starting when montreal came in town they did sort of round into form for a little while and then they they started to fizzle out again and i think you know you look at the for starters, the the second unit they scored 17 goals uh, for the team uh, for the team last season, and so far here I, I believe they've they've scored one, and they've been scored on twice. So they haven't gotten anything from the second unit, which I think is pretty significant. And then yeah, uh, as of late, uh, the first unit has been dry too. And I think when you saw the most recent look that they went with uh, with Brock Besser in the left circle with JT Miller on the net front. Uh, the problem that I have with that is you've taken away a lot of the, you know, alternative options. It, it almost looked like the power play that we saw at the end of Pedersen's rookie campaign, where he seemed like, where his shot seemed like the only legitimate threat because Besser at the left circle, the problem I have with that is his one-timer is not a legitimate threat. So in that spot, I don't really see Besser as much of a threat. And then uh, the fact that he is all right shot at the left circle, now you've all of a sudden, you know, JT Miller is the left shot. You used to be able to go straight to bow in the bumper for the one-time play. You can't do that with a right shot in the, in the bumper. So not only is Besser not a threat from the left circle, but now Besser 
or sorry, but now Horvat isn't really much of a threat either. So um, that's why you have nights, you know, like the other one where with this new look, the passing is predictable. They're just they're they're just playing back and forth in that little triangle uh, from the perimeter, um, and it's too predictable. So I think what I'd like to see if they want to stick with you know Miller at the net front, and they say, okay, you know JT Miller's had a tough time with his puck management. We don't want him facilitate facilitating too many plays right now. Then I'd, I'd almost want to see Pedersen and Besser swap, uh, and, and so you'd have Pedersen on his left left side. Let him be the primary facilitator. Let him be the one initiating plays. Let him be more than just a shooting threat. And I think the advantage with that would be, okay, number one, you're re you're you're reopening the idea of as a left shot now Patterson can has that Horvat option. He now has that um cross seam one, which I think is really important. The Canucks haven't to this uh to this point, when you have Patterson on, on his downhill side, uh, on his strong side, uh as as, uh, as you would with Besser on, on the right flank, then now all of a sudden when Patterson's coming down the wing, he has both the shot threat and he can thread it across across the needle to Besser and it's that cross seam. I don't think the, the top power play unit um, has been able to get enough east west movement. And so it's just another way again to have as many threats and options as possible because right now the way the unit was going last night, um, they're just too reliant on Pedersen's shot. They don't have enough uh, other threats going. No, I mean, and the numbers certainly back that up in terms of the lack of production from any sort of secondary uh, production at all, for that matter. Harm, nice to catch up with you again, and thank you very much for bringing a little uh, clear sense of reason. Your fashion game's pretty strong, so I'm back. I'm I'm with you at the. Uh, oh, Harm, <laughs> Harm, put on some socks and sliders and and go out, and you'll feel like a job. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thanks. Harmadale from the Athletic uh, Wing and on the uh, what what ails the Canucks this morning here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Canucks back at at an action. They go to Winnipeg on Monday. Um, simple analytics, uh, 0 for 4 with those Sprite can jerseys. But you know, pair look look. I mean, it's I, I went through the numbers earlier this morning, and you look at the lack of production for this team when you get past like Harmon was kind of alluding to, and you know what. Outside of Pedersen, outside of Besser, outside of, you know, even J.T. Miller, man, like as much as people want to sit there and hate on J.T. Miller, like that guy has produced this year. And you can't say that for Sutter or Jake or Roussel or Beagle or Goddard, Hoaglander, Horvat, Pearson. You know, there's a lot of nice things that Hoaglander offers, offense, uh, you know, in terms of what he does. He's noticeable out there, and he's a rookie, and I certainly a- appreciate that. But, man, like, he's also part of that group as well, right? No goals in 13 games. And that's a top six guy right now for this team, which is probably miscast for that rookie. Well, he's miscast there because uh, there was a void, something that Jim Benning admitted. He goes, yeah, no, I I think we've got a void up top, and hopefully someone can fill it. There was, you know, a a lot of chips were were pushed into the middle of the table. Jake Vertanen, 18 goals, maybe he'll be that much better. New contract, paid more, went completely the other way. Adam Gaudet, okay, married now. He's figured out some health issues. That should be better. He feels like he's part of this team. Haven't great opportunities for Gaudet. Can't put the puck in the back of the net. Um, What's happened know. to Gaudet? Do you think? Do you think it's just? Do you think it's confidence? I mean, the, the whole new outlook and the health and all of it. Um, I mean, you're an Adam Gaudet fan. I am. Uh, you know, I I think what's happened to Gaudet is something that's you know has happened to uh, a lot of these guys. There were finally expectations. And there was also a cockiness 
that this young group kind of believed. I mean, let's go back to when things weren't good and Travis Green in probably his harshest criticism said, I think there's an immaturity to our play that maybe they thought they were good enough to show up. And this is a league where you have to work. I would suggest Adam Gaudet maybe was a little immature in his preparation and thought it would be easier. And now you got to get back to a guy who showed up last year and said, I don't even think I'm going to be on this team. They're going to play me in Utica in all situations. Screw that. I'm going to make this team. And that desire has been pushed away. Uh, you know, you're, you're not wrong when you just go, I love how harm breaks into the numbers. But the basic numbers of goals and assists, James, you look at five guys and that's it. And you need it from others. You can't be successful if you can't get it for somewhere else. That's why I like, you know, spread it around a bit. You didn't get anything. Very curious after a couple of days off as Travis Green goes to what he knows. And it's the lineup we usually see, the lotto lines together. Or if he has a belief in Winnipeg to try something different and go, we're going with this again to see if we can get something spread out and get some goals. 650-650, the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, more of your thoughts and uh, more of your tracks or Canucks' songs. It's all still ahead here on this Friday edition of the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. You know what I get from this conversation? Neither of you are athletes. That's what I find out. Balak, you pretend you're a goalie. Seaball, you pretend you're successful, or you were a hockey player, and you bring mom and dad on this radio station. You go, James is playing a coy. He's got a bunch of trophies in his bedroom. You know what? You're not athletes, but you don't understand that today after I work out, I'm going to go up on the bike. I'm going to spin for a bit. I'm going to get to the gym. It's Friday. I'm probably going to run out to the store, and I'm put on white socks and my Nike sandals, and I'm going to walk around maybe with a little toque on, and I'm going to look like an athlete. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Why don't you just take why don't you just take the wet socks off? Yeah, because I, I haven't finished the process, right? I it gets cold, right? It's cold though. Someone from Saskatchewan goes, what are you doing wearing sandals or sliders in the wintertime? If you grew up anywhere outside of BC. Like, it's never really cold out here. I'm always out in sandals. You know, you know what? Forget the sandals. I felt terrible last night. Uh, I went up to the Western Plateau. We ordered some, some pizza to get some food, and I was, I was talking to Mom. God bless Mom, 91, and she's telling me McDavid could do more. Um, but <laughs> she's in Edmonton. So I was talking to her in the car, and then I just continued the conversation in the phone. So I'm not thinking, and then there I am in the lineup, and I'm waiting, and I'm there for probably two minutes. No one says anything, and only then do I clue what I'm not wearing a mask. Gosh, I felt awful. So back to the car it was. That you weren't wearing a mask. Yeah, well, you know, I just got into the conversation, and I I, I felt awful. Like I'm thinking, okay, how many people were staring at me? No one came up to me. Uh, yeah, I felt really bad. Uh, it's, fun, it's funny you say that. There was a uh, there was a fast food place I was going to go and grab some ice cream at yesterday, and I went to walk in, and there was a dude standing there in the kind of the, at the counter, just crushing an ice cream cone, not wearing a mask, and it's like, and the staff didn't give a crap, and I just thought, you know what, if you're not going to give a crap, I just turned around, and I went to the another fast food place and got some ice cream instead. It's like, okay, you know, I get it. like you can sit down and eat your meal, but. Kind of standing in the uh, kind of the lobby area, it was like I just kind of turned around and said, "Ah, eh, forget it." No, you got choices. Yeah. Make those choices. Yeah, choices uh, yeah. like not wearing socks with your sandals, my friend. Here, you know what? I'll give you a simple solution. I I have a pair of natives, and those are those foamy shoes. What are natives? They're 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 basically like Croc shoes. 
They're like the foamy. They got. They're kind of like a foam shoe. They just slip on. They're perfect for beach shoes down at the beach, or if you're running errands. Okay. And, and you know what, man? And they're fashionable. They're cool. They're comfy. And you know what? They're not socks and sandals, buddy. I, I feel like you'd be all over. You'd be all over these with your shoe game. You'd be all over these. I would look. Uh, let me just tell you. We'll, we'll turn this to hockey too, because a lot of people won't know, and we'll educate you. Uh, Adam Foote, uh, Peter Forsberg, and I believe, and I may be wrong, Joe Sackick, in their Colorado heyday, as the story goes, were uh, asked to a meeting where a gentleman gave him a business proposal. Um, and the only one who said, you know what, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll get in this. The only one who said yes was Peter Forsberg. Google it, look it. The business proposal was to be a part of Crocs. Peter Forsberg, as good as his career was in the NHL, made more money because of his investment in Crocs than anything else. Smart so, play. There you go. Yeah, I'm not the, no, big, really I'm not the big, I'm, Yeah, I was. I was never the biggest Croc guy, but uh, I've never had them. I've never yeah, had them. The, 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 uh, the, the, the natives are, are pretty cool. They're they're fun. Um, they're sign your text, please. The text line, the Dunbar Lumber text line, is hopping. Uh, guys, I don't get the Godet thing. Petey, I get it. Holglander, get it. McEwen, sure. Olevi. I can see it as possibly steady, but Gaudet, what's his thing? Offensive upside, what's that? College, I mean, he's not terrible, just quite inane. Has secretly playing for the league minimum or something. Help me up. I see. I, you know, when Berkey was on here all the time, he wasn't sure. He didn't think Gaudet was the center. Put him on the wing, and we had that discussion too. Okay, you don't have anybody completely in a top six. Can Adam Gaudet score in the NHL? Well, he's yet to prove it. He's streaky. I don't mind him. I think one thing Adam Gaudet has has lost is used to notice him a lot more as far as energy. I didn't think he was bad yesterday, but not being bad on a hockey team that's not good. Uh, I I think James, you want to move assets and all that. At some point, you got to hang on to someone that you've invested a few years in, and Adam Gaudet to me falls in that category. To to what to, to what. To, what's the return and where do you see him? Do you see Adam Gaudet as a third-line center for this team? I, I, I don't think he's shown that ability to have that two-way game enough or, or to trust him you know, to trust him in the face-off circle. And maybe he's a winger ultimately, right? But here's a guy that was probably on pace for about a 40-point season in a conventional 82-game season, just like Jake mm-hmm. Bertanen was last year. And the two of them have combined for three points this year. I think a lot of it is mental, but, man, their games have gone off a cliff, and you're finding out what you've got in certain players. You know, from a core standpoint, guys that you believe in, guys that you want on this team going forward long term, right now I think there's four guys up front. Uh, I think there's obviously one key guy on the back end, and I think all bets are off after that. And, in fact, outside of – look, I'm not saying you sell everybody, but outside of Pedersen and Hughes – I'd listen on anything. I think you have to listen. Someone texts again, okay, Goddad, move him to Nashville, next young guy up. Here's the problem. Who's the next young guy up? Right? Like, we have talked a lot about how good this Canucks team and, and young guys coming. You know, a lot of focus and spotlight on Pod Colson and eventually that he will automatically just jump into this lineup. Maybe – we see it at the end of April. Who knows? He's battled concussion problems over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, the cupboard's not as full as we think now. It's been a really good run. But where are you going? 
And is Jim Benning right? I, I mean, I'm sure every prospective GM who thinks they're going to get a kick at this Canucks team if they make a move is looking at where do you go? Where do you spend that money? What do you do with the $4 million from Sutter? What do you do with Pearson? And to your thought of sell everything, at some point, did you give up too much to go, well, what are we going to fill it with? Do we have... Do we just have four or five players that we're keeping and, and everybody we've invested in is going to go and then we're looking for another mature veteran to come in and, and do something for us? It's a it's a tricky situation to say, hey, get rid of some of these veterans. And by the way, the young guys that we've given a couple years to, uh, we're punting them as well. Legitimately, if you look at this team, look, I'm not saying everybody's going to be sold. But you legitimately have you. I think you can you can explore all options outside of Pedersen and Hughes. Those are the two guys I think you can say for for certain. These are guys worth building around, right? Uh, you're not you're not moving Besser. You're not moving Miller. You might move Horvat before those two guys. I like I like J T. Miller. I'm a J T. Miller fan. No, and I wouldn't. I, move I think him. there's a lot. I think there's still a lot to like, right? Um, you know, is is his voice too augmented uh, for this team right now? Probably, or at least the approach isn't clearly working. But the fact is that, I mean, you know, talking about leadership, I mean, you look at the captain and Bo Horvat, right? And Bo goes up and down. I think he's obviously not as demonstrative as JT Miller, and he's not as salty. I mean, Bo kind of keeps his head down, says all the right things, kind of in the vein of a of a Daniel and a Henrik and a Linden, Stan Smeal, that sort of leader narrative, that quiet blue collar lunch bucket. But, you know, at the same time, like is you know, the way that this team has kind of struggled looking for direction and guidance, I think you can look at Horvat too. I think it's fair to criticize where he's been at this season as well. Uh, it's so many people getting in on this, and I, I think we've lost the fact. You were going to compare numbers from last year to this year, and that's fair. That's what we were supposed to do as fans. That's what we do in our job. You know, the analytics will do it too. We discussed last year before the playoff bubble and, and debated hard with Bertuzzi and others, should there be an asterisk beside the Stanley Cup champions? And I think as soon as we saw the playoffs, we said, well, no, you know what? Whoever wins this thing, good on you, man. This is this is a battle. This is tough. You're battling through injuries. You deserve to be the Stanley Cup champs. And never should anyone take anything away from the Tampa Bay Lightning and the fact that they will have Stanley Cup rings uh, from 2020. But more so, I think you need an asterisk beside this season. And the numbers put forth by players and teams to go, you know what? That just was strange, right? The whole setup was different. And I don't know how much judging goes on exactly what we've seen. Do you clean house and you have an argument by points and stats to do it? Or do you just go, man, it was so funky, we're not going to react to everything we saw in 56 games. Tough to do in a business where it's, what have you done for me lately? But I wonder if that may be the mindset of, of what's going on with ownership. A reminder that this hour is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community at Surrey Honda. While we have a moment, hey, uh, starting next week, we've got a brand new contest here at Sportsnet 650 at, uh, called Pass the Puck. And you, all you got to do is listen during the second period when Brendan Batchelor announces the name of a Canuck player who passes the puck to one of our Sportsnet 650 hosts. You listen the next day for the call-out, and if you're the first person to correctly identify the Canuck who passed the puck, you win 100 bucks. 
$100 gift card courtesy of our friends over at Zephyr Epic and a chance for you and nine friends to win a private Zoom call with a member of the Canucks alumni. So you get a $100 gift card courtesy of Zephyr Epic, and you can also get a private Zoom call with a member of the Canucks alumni. So all you got to do is check out the contest page at sportsnet650.ca for more info. So check that out. It's the Pass the Puck contest, which begins next Tuesday here on Sportsnet 650. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show. It's socks and sandal wearing Perry and Sabolski here on the starting lineup on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Is there anyone home? Oh, man. Little Floyd, you know, it's got to that point now when people are uh, are going down this road. It's a dark path, Perry. <laughs> that's, that's tough. Is there anybody in there? Yeah, it's a dark path because of the expectations that this team had on them, right? You know, Steve's texting saying, Perry, stop making excuses for this team. If you followed the numbers, it isn't a huge shock. Steve, man, I was the one that said it might be a step backwards before you go forwards. I wasn't sure. I was swayed by the Nate Schmidt signing where I said, you know what? They may not be as bad as you think. Uh, But listen, I I do believe, and and I know at the end of the day, you go, the record is what it is. I think they're better than it shows. And someone's going, oh, don't talk playoffs. I'm not talking playoffs. I do think this team's going to win three or four in a row at some point. Uh, Maybe you think I'm crazy with that. I just don't think they're as far off and they're hockey play has been better uh, than the results have been in the month of February for sure. Um, hey, while we have a moment, uh, just quickly to mention, we are five days away from the uh, 2021 edition of the uh, JCC Sports Dinner. Uh, Magic Johnson, the special guest speaker this year, uh, also the Terry Fox family being uh, recognized as well. It's all being held virtually. Uh, you can check it all out for less than 40 bucks. Just go check out the jccsportsdinner.com. Lots of amazing silent auction items as well. And you know what? This is the type of year pair, you know, some of the virtual galas, this is where yes. you can sometimes sneak in and you don't have the big heavy hitters sometimes, you know, up front to see and bid on those items. It's where you can kind of slide in and kind of steal a good deal, I think, in these silent auctions that are done virtually. Uh, you know, we, we are lucky in this business to to attend lots. Uh, we MC lots. You will be talking to Magic, which I want to ask you a question about that, too, in a second. But for a lot of people, you can't, especially if you're outside of Vancouver. And, hey, it can be a pretty price. But to go and be able to see the stories, and if you are if you are an auction guy, if you are a collector, you're right. I mean, I've been involved in quite a few where you just check it out and go, okay, I might be able to, I might be able to take this one. And I always look at, at going and doing these events as a good sign as to where you are in life. Uh, I got a Brett Favre autographed jersey from an event I emceed years ago, and I thought that was a steal when people were going hard at a Patrick Wan at a Felix Pot fan at that time. And I got the Favre for a deal and had it for a while and then gave it to charity. And then there was one years ago where I actually there was a lawnmower. And I go, you know what? I need the lawnmower. <laughs> I started to getting a bidding war. So, uh, yeah, take advantage of it. But I want to ask you this. Like, you and I do these a lot. I can remember I did a, a UBC athletic breakfast, and Christine Sinclair was the guest. So I had to submit all these questions. And the person who had asked me realized my answer was going to be, you know, I'm not submitting any questions. I'll just talk to her. You talking to Magic Johnson, have you been dictated as to what you can ask? 
Uh, we talked about kind of some of the some of the line of questioning we want to go down to, um, just in terms of where you know, kind of the thread the conversation, get a sense of what we want to discuss uh, over the next little while. So I don't think there's been any restrictions in saying there's no fly zones, but uh, yeah, just kind of give us give a sense of where we want to go with it. And uh, look, I, I I'll tell you what, like full disclosure, Magic was my guy as a kid. Like I started oh. watching basketball because of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So I was a Lakers fan as a kid, and then I fell in love with Magic. Like I wasn't a Michael Je- I wasn't a Michael guy. I wasn't a Larry Bird guy. I hated the Celtics. I was a Magic Johnson guy. So for me, like this is right up there is scratching something off the bucket list coming up on uh, March 3rd. So tickets uh, available up until Tuesday at 5 o'clock. So, uh, so get those. Uh, if, if you're interested, I think it's $36 to check it out virtually. Uh, and it's, uh, it starts, uh, I think, around 6 o'clock. And uh, it's about a half an hour with Magic Johnson uh, telling stories. And, and I'll tell you what, here's the other thing, Pear. You know, if, if you're a small business owner or if you're a business leader in any way, shape, or form, you know, Magic is an insanely successful oh. business person as well. I mean, you know, get a sense to kind of pick his brain on some of that. I, I certainly want to go down that road. Yeah, too. exactly. You know, I grew up wearing socks and sandals and a Magic Johnson uniform, right? <laughs> I had That's the only Laker jersey I had. Really? I had a Magic Johnson, yeah. And I'll tell you what. Probably the first year in this job, the Lakers played an exhibition basketball game in Edmonton on a Saturday night. You know, you might have had a hardcore basketball fan of eight or 9,000 people. And it was a Saturday. I didn't have to work, but I said I would. They gave me a camera specifically to go down and get post-game and maybe get a chance to talk to Magic Johnson. He didn't want me to stand up and ask the questions. He said, just sit down beside me. He gave, He thought I was like Bob Costas to him. He laughed, he smiled, he took as stupid as my questions probably were, and just was so ingratiating. James, I will never forget it. When you meet a hero and he is like that to you and you're impressionable, you go, thanks, man. Thanks for living up to the expectations. And he's done everything on the court. And as you said, off the court from a business perspective, it'll be good, a fascinating way to learn it. So you get that opportunity, people. Buy a ticket virtually and watch the Magic Man, see what he has to say. Uh, the Scott Ritual Show coming your way uh, next. Ryan Phillips, former BC Lion. Uh, Jeff Merritt from the uh, 31 Thoughts podcast and the Sportsnet Hockey Department. And Sportsnet 650 hockey analyst Corey Hirsch uh, dropping by to join Scotty coming up at the top of the clock. Hey, we before gotta, we gotta... go, guys, before we go. Oh, yes, pal. Our receptionist just came in here, and apparently the, the mail has just been pouring in. The, the telegrams, the facts. And, and let me check here. They all agree with your take, Perry, on on socks and sandals, faxes and and mail and all of it. <laughs> Just you pouring guys are in. so wrong. Every soccer player in the lower mainland is shaking their head. Are you going seriously? Go to a game, play hard, put on your sliders, yeah, go with but your guess socks, what? go to the store. Guess what? Those kids aren't going into a grocery store. Those those soccer players aren't going into a grocery store afterwards unless they're eighty. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram and Twitter this week for socks and sandals pictures. I guarantee you. We're back at it Monday. Same bad time, same bad channel. Stay safe, everybody. Enjoy the weekend and uh, yeah, avoid that wind out there today, too. Keep it here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.